Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. To the papers we go. Bake holiday is the main headline in the Mirror Met. Aaron are forecasting a scorcher weekend across the country. And we'll be dealing with weather in the first call of the programme this morning. Temperatures are set to soar this weekend, brightening up the bank holiday break for everybody. After a few cloudy days and showery spells during the week, it's looking to get much better for the rest of the country with next week's forecast very promising. Harris says up your game, front of the Daily Mail. The Minister says councils must do more to allow for outdoor summer. Councils need to up their game in preparing for an outdoor summer and providing spaces for people to meet, says Minister Simon Harris. And I was reading yesterday there are going to be many portable toilets. Uh, I was reading about Ringeskiddy Park. They're happening there. I think it could be today, actually. Uh, and in certain areas around Carrigaline uh, and around the county as well, there's going to be a lot more portable toilets. It's an issue we concentrated uh, on on the programme over the last few days. But the Minister for Further and Higher Education said a number of local authorities have not done a good job ahead of the reopening of society over the next few months. However, members of the opposition have pointed the finger of blame at the government saying it needs to ensure the right infrastructure and policies are in place to have a summer outdoors, as was called for by Taoiseach Micheál Martin as far back as April. Speaking of enjoying yourself outdoors, businesses on Princess Street got ready for outdoor dining to resume next Monday with colourful parasols newly installed. And if you look at our social media pages for the Neil Prendival Show, you'll see some uh, wonderful aerial views of uh, the whole setup with those lovely parasols, uh, especially from above. It must be a drone picture uh, really setting the scene. Princess Street has been decked out in a uh, colourful assortment of parasols designed to keep diners dry when outdoor hospitality resumes next week. Oh, how continental we are going. The immensely popular Eat on the Street initiative, which was piloted last year with businesses on the street, will return on Monday in line with government guidelines. Poles have been installed to support large, colourful umbrellas to shield diners from the rain when conditions are less than favourable. And Paul Montgomery, the owner of Tansy's Bar, says the Echo said the initiative will help combat the risk of unfavourable weather when dining outdoors. Of course, uh, Princess Street is going to be a hub of dining activity. It's not just the uh, pub serving uh, food outside and uh, and drinks outside uh, is opening from Monday, but of course, all of those restaurants too. And I think it's going to be a lovely place to have a bite to eat. Temporary toilets, as I mentioned, for beauty spots uh, is also in the Echo today. Temporary toilet facilities are to be installed at a number of popular Cork beauty spots. Uh, Let's run down where they're going to be. This comes at a time when continued concerns, of course, are being raised about a lack of public toilet facilities at locations around the county, uh, and especially in the city centre, as we uh, detailed yesterday. Uh, But uh, these will remain in place for 16 weeks. The temporary facilities will be located in Crosshaven, Myrtleville, Church Bay, Fountainstown, Roberts Cove, Kilnagleary Car Park, Roberts Bridge Car Park and uh, the People's Park in Carrigaline. And Independent Councillor Ben Dalton O'Sullivan said this is very positive and welcome news as we move into the summer months. Huge credit is due to the Carrigaline Municipal District team who made these arrangements over the past number of weeks. Any other areas getting toilets? Any other local authorities or councillors have anything to report on upping the toilet game? Uh, then let us know. But for now, I know it's going to be in uh, Crosshaven, Myrtleville, Church Bay, Fountainstown, Roberts Cove, Kilnaglearly, uh, Car Park, uh, Roberts Bridge Car Park and the People's Park in Carrigaline. I don't know why it's going to be in Kilnaglearly Car Park. Uh, I know it's an industrial park. Maybe it's because of the, uh, the very popular walk that passes by on the other side of uh, the road. But there you go. Bank holiday to kick off a one billion economic bounce. 
says the Independent. And now you'll see why the hotels have been uh, open uh, to catch that uh, vital uh, tourist trade and the uh, staycation trade over the weekend. The bank holiday weekend kickstarting a €1 billion euro boost for the pandemic-hit economy as thousands head to hotels, to beaches and other attractions. This weekend is critical to helping the recovery of the hospitality sector, which at peak operation employs nearly one in ten Irish workers. Fulcher Ireland has estimated the reopening of the tourism and hospitality sector from COVID-19 restrictions will deliver a €1 billion euro lift over the coming weeks, and more than 500,000 people are expected to travel this weekend. And of course, we do advise heed the Garner warnings. They're going to be out in force this weekend, checking for drink and drug driving. The CMO appeals to people of Limerick after a huge spike there. Uh, Dr. Tony Houlihan has made a direct appeal to the people of Limerick to adhere to the public health advice after a significant increase in COVID cases. The chief medical officer's warning came as more than 800 cases have been reported in the region in the past two weeks alone, which has led to its incident rate increasing from... Uh, from its past levels, which were about maybe 80, 90, 100, 110, to 411 per 100,000. This rate is now 288 higher than the national average, and that is a big, big spike. Britain's rush to cancel their holidays in travel chaos, says the Times UK edition. Britons were scrambling last night to cancel their trips to Portugal and look for refunds after it was removed from the travel green list in a sign that holidays abroad will be unlikely for many this summer. The country's been uh, the only popular tourist spot to which the government had allowed, Quarantus, the British government, to allow uh, quarantine-free travel. Bookings had soared in recent weeks. The move was condemned by the travel industry as a repeat of the chopping and changing of last summer. And COVID rates have risen in Portugal from a seven-day rolling average of 33 cases per 100,000 to 51 per 100,000 on Wednesday. Most new infections are thought to be in and around the capital of Lisbon. The figure suggests that few holiday destinations will be able to get on the green list, which is reviewed every three weeks. The Barry family are waiting a DNA test. The identification uh, could take weeks. The uh, Sorry, Barry's family. The family, family of Barry Coughlin, or Colin, whose uh, car containing remains was retrieved from the water last week, 17 years after he went missing, are anxiously awaiting the results of DNA Analysis And good coverage in the papers today to the Leaving Cert results. The delay and the delivery of the Leaving Cert results on September 3rd has been criticised. Uh, criticized. Concerns have been raised. The government's decision to delay the release of the Leaving Certificate results will put unnecessary pressure on students who plan to go to college. Do you think? Solidarity TB, TD McBarry has called on Education Minister Norma Foley to reverse a decision to release results on September 3rd. Uh, orientation normally takes place for new students, uh, first years, uh, freshers going into the, the, the colleges on the last week of September. Now this is uh, meaning that the CAA offers won't come until at least 7th or 8th uh, of September first round, maybe a week later second round. That's pushing everything back. I wonder why the uh, Department of Education hasn't been uh, liaising properly with uh, Minister Harris's department, if there's anything that at this late stage could be done. It's clear the government's decision will result in delays to the start of the college, college academic year, said Solidarity TD uh, McBarry. And uh, Aaron Wolf, the uh, Kaloshta Yaman Rees principal, who we, whom we've often spoke to on the programme, has appealed for understanding. A lot of work is going on behind the scenes, he said. It's an unprecedented time. Everybody needs to show a bit of understanding and hopefully everything will work out. Huge feature in front of the examiner today. Their voices matter. 
is the headline that screams out. Survivors are outraged amid calls for Mother and Baby Homes Commission report to be repudiated. And the voices that were muted for too long uh, are evident, uh, one especially, uh, on the front page. I'm 53 years old and I saw my birth cert for the first time this week. It popped into my inbox just as Mary Daly of the Mother and Baby Homes Commission was telling an online conference that the testimony of 550 survivors had been dismissed as not meeting robust legal standards of evidence. I've known for some time that I was christened Brona Shana when I was born in St. Patrick's, but I'd never before seen this evidence of my double life, my happy, fulfilled, adopted life, and my ghost life. Our voices have been muted for too long. It stops now. Uh, check it out on the front page of the Examiner. Also in the Examiner, the skipper of the Spanish trawler charged with breaches of fishing regulations uh, is uh, going to appear before the Cork Cir- Circuit Criminal Court next week after being charged with suspected breaches of those fishing regulations. Middleton District Court heard Punta Candiera skipper uh, Cicente Melton San Juan, 52 years of age, has been charged with three Offences. Don't kill me. The Kevin Lunny trial is making all of the papers today. It makes for some harrowing reading. Kevin Lunny was beaten, stabbed and covered in bleach as he begged, just don't kill me. The special criminal court heard the Quinn Industrial Holdings boss gave evidence yesterday of the attack after which he was dumped on a rural road with a broken leg, knife wounds and blood dripping, uh, dripping from his face. And in a chilling threat to his family, he said one of the attackers told him, We know about your daughter in the GAA top. We've been watching you. You can check it out in most of the morning papers. Rail bad behaviour. Anti-social incidents fear. Uh, Near misses on tracks, assaults on staff and soiling were among uh, 2,300 incidents of anti-social behaviour logged by Irish Rail over the past year. A breakdown across the country also details rocks being thrown at carriages, uh, misuse of passenger emergency systems and lewd behaviour. And friendly celebrations. The Republic of Ireland win in Andorra on the Irish Times after going one behind uh, to Andorra. They eventually finished uh, 4-1 to the good. And in the mirror, ah, Mr. Bond. We've been selecting you. James Bond has beaten the living daylights out of his tough guy rivals in a poll to find our top film hero. The super spy saw off the likes of Indiana Jones, Forrest Gump and Jason Bourne. Uh, as uh, and 007 played by heartthrobs including Daniel Craig of course was a hit with one in five women who were asked he got 24% of the total vote in a poll by Showcase Cinemas uh, with Indy Indiana Jones and 19% Robin Hood and Superman tied with 10% both of whom wear shorts and tights I think of tights isn't it and when it came to the uh, ultimate villain Cannibal Hannibal Lecter from The Silence of the Lambs was the winner followed by Darth Vader and the Joker. Mark Barlow from Showcase said, James Bond has been a constant of cinema for decades and it seems rather fitting that with No Time to Die on the Horizon, 007 is named as the ultimate big screen hero. And who can argue with Hannibal Lecter taking top as the favourite villain? These are the type of characters that are made for the big screen. 20 past nine. The Neil Prenderville Show. And let's look at, ahead at our weather for the upcoming bank holiday weekend with Nick from Weather Alerts Island uh, on line one. Morning, Nick. Hello, how are you doing? Very good. Bank holiday Friday. It's traditional and customary for us to look ahead. What have we got in store? Yeah, so look, it's a nice weekend. Um, I think it'll be It'll be fairly calm, um, a lot of dry weather. Uh, tomorrow could be a little bit showery to begin with, but it's kind of uh, drying up then. Um, 
and pretty much that's kind of the team throughout the weekend is going to be dry um, it's going to be quite mild uh, 17 to 18 degrees the best day does look like Sunday uh, it does look like the best day for some sun um, but there's going to be sunny spells Saturday, Sunday into Monday as well um, but it is looking Monday a little bit of on the cloudier side but it is looking it is looking dry at least mm-hmm. Matt Aaron is saying that uh, it looks like high pressure will dominate next week so it looks like after Bank Holiday Monday things could continue to be warm and dry and very welcoming for the summer yeah, like it's it's looking very um very promising for for next week, especially later next week. Um, that high pressure is pushing up. Uh, it's going to dominate over Ireland. Um, it's going to bring a lot of dry weather. But next, like towards the weekend, um, like next weekend, it's looking very very could get very very warm into the mid twenties. Um, and like proper sunshine as well. So it could start to feel very summery. But look, it's a, it's a fair bit away yet. Um, but it does look promising. Um, okay, for sure, which is what we all need. What happened in May, Nick? Uh, well, it just rained pretty much. It was it was a pretty wet month. Um, it was it, monsoon. It was of, yeah, like it was just low pressure dominating, really. The Atlantic was in full flow. Uh, just kept sending low pressure towards Ireland and that was it, really. You know, large hailstones more than once as well. Yeah, there was a lot of thunderstorms um, all around the country. Now, we didn't get any because um, I'm based in Kerry, but there wasn't many in, in where I am in Kerry, but there was quite a few in land, um, for sure. Um, a lot, a lot of light. I think it was one of the, the most um, thunderous activity in May in history, I think. It could be up there. Um, it could be up there. Certainly yeah, one of the wettest anyway. Settled. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it was very, very, it's a very wet month. How far um, can you guys predict ahead? Um, like the weather models, like there's, seven to ten days and then some of them all go up to 14 um, mm. but like they do change so like three days is kind of where it's yeah. at and you can get an idea for up to like a week to ten days um, but anything kind of beyond the three or four days is fairly uncertain you know like they, uh, the smallest factor can change anything mm-hmm. so it's just and these are these synoptic charts are they? Um, yeah, just like different, like the, the, there's what, six or seven main kind of models um, and they kind of all do their, their ensemble of models and then they kind of pull data from there. Um, so yeah, like the main kind of one we go with is the European, the ECMWS model, which is the main European one. And then kind of a lot of them go by that, like the high resolution models and things. And they're the kind of ones that go for like thunderstorms and stuff. Okay. Um, we go with the high resolution models. But yeah, like it's, it's, it's interesting. It's definitely an interesting hobby. So science versus the postman in Donegal, say, how, how does he get it right so often and, and often the science gets it wrong? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think trends is a big one um, with the Donegal, where they're trying, the, the Donegal, the postman. Um, like, it is a lot of trends over the, over the winters and, like, he can, like, I presume he just kind of um, predicts uh, what's happening early on in the season, like in spring and over winter and how that could affect things in the in the summer um, but yeah like it's a tricky one um, like like it's just because the factor if, if one little factor changes like especially with storms and stuff like if one little factor changes the whole thing can be put like kilometres like hundreds of kilometres away even you know so it, it's just so, so many small details need to come together to produce like the weather you know so like next week like the high pressure could easily move west east north south and it could affect things you know it just depends on the jet stream as well like um, the temperatures over American Canada how that pushes the jet stream 
So yeah, there's lots of different factors that come into play when, when trying to predict the weather. So it's tricky. We're not always right. Um, but we try and we try to be. Okay, well if I remove the science from your predictions now, what would be your non-scientific general prediction, considering what's happened over the last few years in the summer? How are we fixed for June, July and August? I would think I think we could get some nice sun this, this season, for sure. Um, I think we could get I, I would be hoping for some heat waves well, kind of like the, the high 20s. Um, uh, yeah, like that's, like it's kind of, because obviously you've got climate change and all that. So like there is possibilities of more drier and, and, and hotter summers, you know. Um, so yeah, there was a week in August last year, if I remember, where Ireland was like the Caribbean and it's kind of yeah. hit and miss. You've got to pick a week and hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah, like even compared to like even mainland Europe and stuff like the, the Atlantic and the jet stream is so so um so hard to, to predict what's gonna happen, you know. Like um but yeah, like I'd be hoping for, for a free, a good few weeks of summer, um, a proper summer for us, you know. Um but we'll have to wait and see. It's it's uh, it's a long summer so we'll have to Okay, so a bit bit of a mixed bag but generally pretty good for the weekend, you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Mostly dry. A few showers early tomorrow morning and then like next week then is the kind of to, to look ahead to, you know, uh, towards next weekend. It could be very, very, very nice. Okay. Um, so yeah, just go out and enjoy it while it's, while it's dry. Absolutely. And do it responsibly with social distancing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Nick from Weatherlair to Ireland, uh, thank you very much for coming on the no programme this morning. Have a good day. Thank Cheers. Bye bye. 26 minutes past nine now. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And of course, it is Bank Holiday Free Food Friday today. Oak Fire Pizza, Realwood Fire Pizza now in Clonakilty, in Bandon, in Princess Street, in Gillaby Street as well, and a new location coming soon to East Village in Douglas. And uh, we're looking forward to that one. Uh, so three winners now every Friday, not just one big winner. We have three winners, and each winner will receive four pizzas and two sides. So get texting lunch, uh, the name of your premises, the number of people working there if you can, to 086 8104 8104106. So three winners today, uh, each receiving four pizzas and two sides from Oak Fire Pizza, real wood fire pizza, now in Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street and Galabi Street with a new location coming soon to East Village in Douglas. To Passage we go and to Line 6 and to Paddy. Hi Paddy. How are we doing? Very good. How are you? Alright. Okay, now you've got a mooring in Passage, Paddy and you usually you usually yeah. sail that's very posh, isn't it? You usually sail up to the city, moor up and go for a pint. Oh, yeah, that was the normal procedure on your make. Yeah, okay. Uh, hey. Is this Paddy Frick's brother, yeah? Yeah, I'm Frick's brother, yeah. Frick not, well, Frick, I can point him at me, all right, up to the city, <laughs> the city normally. And what do they call you, Paddy? Because I know you have a nickname. Hey. Wacker. They call you Wacker. They yeah, sure do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you usually sail up to the city, uh, you moor up, you go for a pint, or you stroll down uh, the marina and go to a match or something like that, is it? Yeah, yeah, Mick, that's what we do. We used to go up to the, the marquee as well, uh, you know, every year to see John Spillane or Christy Moore or that, you know. Yeah, and where would you tie up? Well, we'd normally tie up there, Mick, at the, the Port of Cork, the marina in the Port of Cork, you know. Okay, well, that's still there. I know the, uh, the property itself and, and probably the ownership of the... Uh, the pontoons there has uh, changed hands. The Port of Cork no longer there, of course, as they uh, begin to concentrate activities and ring a skiddy. Uh, so that's now under private ownership. I imagine it's still usable. Well, a friend of mine was up there last week and he told me that the security uh, people in there told him to, they gave him 15 minutes to take his boat off it. Okay, so is it, has it gone to set uh, down only then, is it? 
it is. I think you are nearly 100% sure it is, Mick. But, like, you know, it's only, you know, mooring fees went up there a couple of years ago. And, like, the Port of Cork was saying, oh, we've great facilities. People can come up to the city. If they stay overnight, they can go to Clarion Hotel and have a shower in the morning. And, that's right. For a five, a fiver, I think, to get into the Clarion at the time. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was, Mick. But, like... Mick, in general, like, I'd like to know, like, have the Port of Cork got any plans to put in something, you know, because it's a big loss, like, you know? Yeah, I, there, there was a, a there was harbour dues that were paid on, on every boat, if I remember. And if you paid your harbour dues, you could get a 50% reduction uh, uh, to stay on the pontoon of the city. I don't know what happens now with the, uh, with the ownership changing to private ownership. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, Mick, you could just, you'd say, like, it won't happen this summer that we'll have a birthday job there anyway, I don't think, you know? Well, we'll find so, out. We can we can find out from the new owners or whoever's managing the, the pontoon at this time because it is a it is a vital facility uh, and did bring very is. much welcome tourism up to the city. Oh, it is, Mick. And, like, when you look at the Cork Harbour in general, like, sure, you know yourself, you have a boat, Mick. Mm-hmm. And, like, you just say, if you came from Roaches Point and wanted to go up to the city, there's no place you can really pull in. No down a passage, we have a brilliant pontoon uh, there. But, like, uh, Cove, Cove is a, a flag in, uh, is a joke, really, like. Yeah, well, the, the new marina is, uh, and I think that's the, probably the sailing club marina, which is in, uh, in White Point now. And, uh, of course, there is the much-used and much-valued uh, pontoon privately owned by Noel and uh, his family at the Keys, which is a fantastic spot. Uh, but essentially, and you know, you're here preaching to the converted here, Paddy, I'm saying well, for, for 30 years that the second biggest natural harbour in the world is absolutely bereft of landing opportunities in, you know, in its major towns. You have, of course, the, uh, the private marinas, uh, the Yacht Club Marina and Vitsa's Marina in Crosshaven. You have the Hugh Coveney Pier, which is so well managed by Kieran Canary. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, it should be the pride of the port, port of Cork. He keeps it so clean and is watching everything there, and so safe. Uh, if you're staying, if you're staying there, or even overnight. Uh, but essentially, for, for for the facilities we have and the size of our harbour, uh, I know we have uh, something else in uh, in Ahada, but the the hostelry uh, Rosie's is closed there now. Um, yeah, that's right. And like, make yeah, well, James O'Brien in Monkstone has a fabulous marina down there, you know. And, uh, like, you know, he should get a lot of praise for what he's providing in the harbour. But, like, Cove, to me, is a complete joke, Mick. You know, as you say, the Keys Bear is lovely. But if you want to go down the town of Cove, you know, you can pull into the Keys Bear. Sort of there's three boats there. You have to go outside them as well, you know. And, like, they they, they pride themselves. They can, they can moor three liners down there. And then you can't, you can't moor... Three small boats. Yeah. Like. I, I, I take your point. I mean, uh, the, the Keys Bar tying up is for the Keys Bar. Uh, that's not, exactly. not facilitate yeah. people wandering off along the town and leaving their boats. But, um, yeah, uh, you've only got the Cambers then after that. Lynch's Key is up for development, I think. Um, yeah, and, like, and in fairness, you, you go into the Cambers there, and, like, you know, there's, there's lads that use their boats for work, fishermen and all that, and you don't want to be obstructing them either. And the other side of the kind of to come down and check it every half hour as well, Mick, you know? The, the, be, the best place you know? for pontoons in Cove would be outside the promenade. If you had some sort of a sea barrier or, you know, you had um, proper defences from the sea that you, that you could actually walk up the steps of the promenade and into town. 
Yeah, but uh, like it's uh, it's really for the for such a beautiful harbour that we have. Like it's a it's a, a joke, really. Like you know, you regattas there in Cove. Most of the people that come in their boats, they have to head back across here, you know. Okay, well, tell you what, Paddy, we will endeavour to uh, find out what's happening charges-wise or accessibility-wise with the former Port of Cork pontoon facility, a brilliant facility, uh, right across from what was the uh, Sextant Bar, and uh, see if that's available to you for your matches and that kind of thing. Uh, I don't think the the Port of Cork blocking off the keys has anything to do uh, with access there. It's it's kind of on the other side. I wouldn't think so, Mick. I just think, I would think like that with the port cop being all sold and they're moving to the city, as you said earlier there. It's just that. I think if, they, if the developer is in there, they won't want people walking through their property either, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking there, Wacker, with, with, uh, with Ireland winning last night, Stephen Kenny's gang winning for the first time in 12 matches, uh, I wonder would I play a song about soccer and about Wacker? Uh, well, you, I know the one you're on, Chris Seymour. But Mickey, just while before I go there, look, I'd like to wish my daughter and her husband, uh, uh, Elaine and Donald the Wire, there, they're reopening their business there in Pierce Square in Ballyfehan, Noel Murphy's pub on Monday. All right, okay, that's, a, that's the one across from Barty's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they've done a lot of work there on the beer garden as well there. So, it's a fine job now. And I'd like to thank the lads, all the lads up there were amazing for them and fairness. They all finished finishing work that night there and they were coming straight from work and helping out to get the place finished, you know. Is that where you'll be on uh, on Monday then, Paddy? Oh, yeah. And the, the J Club and passage, I suppose, up and down the road. Yeah, everybody is, is kind of moving outside now. Has, the GA has developed a, an outside space as well. We're going to be looking yeah, at this, by the way, nice and publicising some of the pubs. Um, oh, yeah, big thanks. Yeah, great stuff. But listen, you're, you're, you know, you've got to think as well about the pubs who can't open. Uh, Dubs yeah. and, and his lovely pub there in Passage. Um, the Farmers, what's it called? The Farmers, yeah. And Christie further down the road. Christie, yeah, in the, know, uh, the Ferry Arms. The pot as well. The, the Ferry, yeah, and all, all of these roadside pubs with, with no outside uh, frontage to serve are still going to have to wait uh, and wait at least another month and a half. Oh, yeah, Michelle, it's the whole, it's the, the whole scenario was a fast, really, wasn't it, even from day one, you know, with the restaurants opening and people forced to have their nine euro meal, you know, so that was complete, you know, there was no common sense in that, really, so there was no, you know, like... As Michael Healy Ray said, the hang sandwich in one hand and the pint of Guinness in the other. And one guy's just got the pint of Guinness. How, how does the virus know? Uh, Paddy, uh, as known as Wacker, I'm going to play this song for you and for the Irish team last night. Joxer goes to Stuttgart from Christy Moore. We'll find out about the uh, the pontoon in Cork for you, Paddy, all right? All right, mate. Thanks very much. Thanks a million. Take care, bye. Thanks a million. And well done to the boys in green. You know something, long before Ed Sheeran had uh, mastered and perfected the art of entertaining people with just a guitar, Christy Moore was doing it for a long time. Uh, doesn't he make people so happy? That's Joxer Goes to Stuttgart for the boys in green and for Paddy Wacker, who uh, called us from Passage West. Now, Cork Keys, it's the working docks that are being closed off, like Albert's Key and Horgan's Key. Tower Holdings are allowing, uh, allowing people to tie up at their side, but permission needs to be sought. They are developing a new booking system, an app called Harba. H-A-R-B-A, Harbour Master. 
which will be operational in the next few days. And you can stay for as long as you like. And thanks to uh, my old friend Dave Barry, who sent me in uh, an official document from uh, Tower Holdings. I'm not going to call out gate codes or anything like that. Uh, but when using the pontoon on weekends or outside the hours of half six in the morning to half eight at night midweek, it's important to ring Smart Monitoring, our monitor control centre. It's a uh, Dublin number, 01257 uh, identify yourself and give the password CHQ2021. Uh, okay, CHQ2021. Access to the site is governed by security cameras. And the fee for use of the pontoon is outlined below. Uh, please leave this fee in an envelope and place in the post box at the top of the steps, which has always been there, opposite the pontoon gate. And uh, you'll uh, note a proportion of this fee is donated to Cork Search and Rescue, which is a voluntary group in Cork. If you want to stay for a month, it's 70 euros per meter of vessel. If you want to stay for a week, it's 19 euros per meter of vessel. And if you want to stay nightly, it's 3 euros 80 per meter of vessel. Uh, and as we're told, the uh, booking system and app Harbour Master will be operational in the next few days and you can stay for as long as you like, which I don't think was the case. I think it was a four-night limit uh, under the previous tenure uh, of uh, the Port of Cork. So uh, thanks to Dave Barry for sending me in that clarity. Thanks for Tower Holdings uh, for allowing people to continue to use it. And uh, as they say, you can stay for as long as you like. It's just you need to, to book, make yourself known, uh, and there is security there, there is security cameras, and at least now there is a, a tariff, uh, a monthly tariff, if you want to stay there for the month. And it's not uh, too bad for the city centre, 70 euros per metre of vessel. Weekly, it's 19 euros, and nightly, 3 euros 80. But the number to call if you want to stay there and check things out is 01257-5800. Okay, so Free Food Friday, again, keep that coming, keep the text coming in there. With Oak Fire Pizza, we have fantastic pizzas to give away and uh, we're going to be doing that. Please put lunch before your text and please uh, text 0868104106. Oak Fire Pizza is real wood fire pizza now in Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street and Galabi Street and coming soon to East Village in Douglas. Three winners we're going to pick today. Uh, each winner will receive four pizzas and two sides from Oak Fire Pizza. Right now it is uh, coming up on uh, 14 minutes to... Uh, 10 o'clock. Back in a moment. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. 11 minutes to 10. I want to give a quick mention to a golf classic that's taking uh, place in aid of Cork Spina Bifida and Hydrocephalus Association. It's uh, happening on Friday, June 18th, which is uh, this day, two weeks at Monkstown Golf Club. Entry is €300 Euros per team. Uh, a meal is included uh, and it's also sponsored by the Port of Cork. And you can contact Alan Flurry on that on 08. 8252855 the Cork Spina Bifida and Hydrocephalus Association uh, and they need those funds a golf classic Monkstown Golf Club this day two weeks the 18th of June uh, sponsored by the Port of Cork and uh, Alan Flory is the uh, guy to contact there on 087 8252855 Jamie Stanton is on line 6 good morning Jamie Hi Mick how are you how's very, it going very good and a busy weekend for you if I may say so you got a bit of a double kicking didn't you you got kicked by the music industry and then you got kicked by the pubs uh, yeah, I could have dragged and thrown some poster pillar now over the last uh, 14 months. But look, we're, we're above ground, we're in the right place and we're, we're moving on through it, yeah. you know. So it's essentially, the, of course, the music stopped. That was your, your life force. That was your, your, your means of supporting yourself. And then you went off and, and leased a pub or took over a pub or whatever you did. And just as you were about to open, uh uh-uh, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's it's been a very frustrating uh, time now over the last few months. 
but um, if anything it gave us more time to prepare um, and how to open safely and efficiently you know so we've had a lot of time to think about it and we finally got to put those thoughts to practice there now over the last two weeks getting ready to open on Monday and you're opening at? we are opening on Monday at 12 o'clock uh, but where? Uh, the, the Paddocks Bar and Cove Pirates Rugby Club in oh, Cove okay that's uh, at the top of um Top of the hill coming up from the ferry yeah. heading up towards... Top of Ballyno Hill. Top of Ballyno Hill, uh, the Paddock's yeah. Bar. And that's been closed for a while now. That must give you a big outside area, does it? Massive. So we are kind of blessed really with the area we have to deal with, you know. Um, so we have... We're not called the Paddock's for no reason. We're up the top of a very big hill on a big massive flat ground. There's about five or six acres here. But like our bar area, we have been cleared and to serve... Um, maybe let's say 120, 130 quite safely. So we might keep the numbers just below that in order to not clog the place up. But we have um, COVID safety zones on our on our small pitch. We have our outdoor area with our pergola. We have our parasol. So we're just basically getting uh, hyped up now today to get our tables and our um, our table plan in order so we, we can fit everybody in. Okay, and of course it sees some staff coming back to work as well, doesn't it? It does, yeah. I mean, like because of our setup here, most of our staff are already working anyway. So it's just basically we've had a we've had we're getting a lot of help from a lot of family and friends at the moment. So we're we're quite blessed that way, you know. Mm. It, it's uh, it's sad though that you can't stand outside in a socially distanced band and play some music. I think that's ridiculous. It is. It's utter madness, really, uh, Mick. I mean, even the, even if you go into the depths of it, the science behind it is just it's just utter madness. You know, like you you can sit in the city and um, sit outside a pub, and there could be someone busking across the road ten meters away from you. I don't think that's any different than any other commercial premises. You know, as long as there's a distance between the musician or the musicians and the punters. You know. So I'm pretty stumped about that one, but look, it, it's we'll, we'll get by, and hopefully, um, as far as I'm aware, that uh, restriction has been reviewed at the moment. So hopefully, in a few weeks going forward, we might be able to have live music. You know. Yeah, brilliant stuff. I'm getting the texts in again. I think the, as, whoever's texting me is trying to wind me up, Jamie. Uh, Mick, you lined up the free food for yourself yesterday with the hotels, and now you're lining up copious amounts of pints. Fair play. <laughs> we don't have an arrangement for a free pint, Jamie. Should we don't? No, not yet. Not no. yet, anyway. <laughs> I, was, I was interested to talk to you because on, of the double kicking you got from the music industry and from the lack of availability of opening your, your new pub. Uh, but also, of course, that interesting point. It doesn't stand to reason why you can't play music outside. I just don't understand it. Yeah, likewise, um, like he, he, if I was speaking to you in a room, we're probably speaking at about 65 to 80 decibels. You know, if a band is playing 12 metres away from you, it's probably the same level uh, as long as the sound is controlled in some shape or form, you know. So it's just, I, I'm, I'm just still stumped at it myself. Um, but it's not something I wasn't expecting either because how how the authorities have actually diagnosed some of the restrictions in terms of music and musicians' livelihoods is just, it's been passed from third parties, uh, basically people who are planning people's livelihoods. I said the last, no the last, time, around, the last time around, Jamie, you couldn't have the telly up too loud in the bar because people would have to speak over it and their breath would be coming out on top of people. Uh, I don't know where they get their ideas. But anyway, look, best of luck with the paddocks in Cove. The biggest outside area in Cove will start with outside drinking first. Uh, and we'll see about food after that. I know the Enzyme, in my own local in Monkstown, is doing the opposite way. It's it's walking, but it's dining. Uh, and you can have a pint with with your food. So people are kind of testing it, I think, and, and doing it from all different angles. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Mick. Cheers, Thank man. You. All the best. Let's go bye, to Donald bye. O'Sullivan from Jono's Bar in Douglas. Hi, Donald. Hello, how are you, Mick? No, you've got a big car park. How is that going to be used? Uh, we we have uh, um, we've got a load of picnic tables. We have uh, the back. We've, we're lucky enough to have a big car park, so we have two sides to it. So the back area, we're putting thirty picnic tables outside there, um, and we we also have our existing terrace that we used all along. 
Okay, this is kind of something you didn't get around to doing the last time because kind of the pubs opened yeah. for inside dining, didn't they? Well, yeah, yeah. So inside, we, we, you know, we were, we, which was great and very successful. So, and then when they went to outside dining, it was a max 15 people and 15 people isn't enough to justify um, staff, staffing and, and being open. So, but no, there's no max in numbers. It's all just uh, a metre apart and tables and stuff like that. So we're, we're um, well within regulations to have that many tables out here because we have a massive area, thank God. Yeah, and I think, I think the general public are, are better educated now as to, you know, policing their own safety as well and playing their own part. Yes, yes, yes. So you'd have to wear your masks walking around and stuff like that. You can take them off when you're at the table, but when you're going inside to the toilet, you will have to wear your mask and all the staff will have to wear a mask and there'll be hand sanitizer everywhere. And, you know, I know, um, hopefully, you know, this will maybe around September, October, we can relax some of these measures. But right now, we're just delighted to be getting open. And uh, officially, how many people can you fit in that large car park now? Well, there's six per table. Uh, there's um, 30 tables of six. That's not really going to happen because, like, people booking fours and threes and twos, you know, so your potential and the reality are two different things. Yeah, but the carry distance for, for food and for beverages from your bar now must be uh, intending to keep your staff fit anyway. Again, we're lucky. We have a, we have a back entrance that goes right into it. It's, it's not that. Well, we will be fit after it, but, uh, um, you know, that's no harm either. Yeah, and what are the, the closing times after to be strictly? Is, is it 11 o'clock across the board? Well, out for half 11. Out for half so, 11, yeah. So la- last, so whatever, last whatever call at 11, is, is it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the way they're the promoted. Okay. Any nerves in the team? Um, well, you would be nervous because you're getting back from a period, a long period of, of uh, why we were doing takeaway all along. You're getting back from a long period of, of maybe not, uh, you know, Monday, to, Monday, you know, five days a week or seven days a week. So, uh, yeah, definitely a little bit nervous. And then, then you know, once, once Joe Public um, understands, you know, that we're outside and, and we're weather-reliant and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, once they understand that, I think I'll make... They will, too. Okay, great be, stuff. It would be it's exciting times. Donald, thanks a million. Very best of luck. Thanks, okay. Cheers. Thanks, bye-bye. Time. We've been to the city or it's environs. We've been to East Cork. We'll uh, go around the county uh, in the next hour looking at other businesses that are opening. We'll also give you details of our Musgrave Marketplace competition. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Imro Music Station of the Year. You're on Cork's Red FM. And let's get to some of our Free Food Friday mentions. Morning, Mick, could you please nominate the vaccination team in Cope Foundation? The team have been vaccinating all service users in disability services in Cork City and County since March. I'm a lead vaccinator myself, but we'll be so delighted if the whole team got the recognition they deserved. We are so proud of the job we are doing, and so you should be. That's Avril Keating. Free Food Friday, please. Wouldn't you love to just give the pizza to everybody? Uh, Free Food Friday, please, for the wonderful staff of St. Killian Special School on the Old Yall Road in Mayfield. For Marlene and Liam Ogg and all the staff at SBGI, Cork City, from Vince Conroy. Could you please consider my daughter Erica Lynch and her colleagues working at Chair Artistry of Hair on George's Quay? For Free Food Friday, they'd love some Oak Fire Pizza. Hey, make all the gang and KRS competitions would love Free Food Friday. We're a Cork-based company. We love the show. That's from Keith. Working from home, making dog treats and lip balms. Don't get them mixed up. Uh, I love some pizzas, and it's my birthday Monday. My husband and I are also purchasing a food trailer soon. Uh, so pizza would be good fuel for getting everything sorted. Uh, I don't have a name on that one, but we have your number. You're in the draw. Please can my na- my partner James and I have some pizza. We're still working from home and going off our heads. 
Thanks so much, Mick. We're based in Wilton. Uh, the four girls in Passage West Post Office. Hi to you guys. Can I please nominate uh, me and my work colleagues at My Cork GP for Free Food Friday? We've been working so hard the last year and uh, and a half, year and a half, and would love some pizza. That's from Deirdre. Lunch for the staff at Anglesey Street Garda Station has been requested. Hi, Mick. I'd love to nominate my husband, Percy, and all the staff at the kitchen in St. Luke's Nursing Home in Mahon. They really deserve a treat for working hard every day. That's from Evelyn Dawes. Morning, folks. I'm working from home like I do every day. I'm a full-time carer. If I win, I'll share the pizzas with the family as they live alongside us. Uh, happy f- uh, Friday to all of you and have a lovely weekend. All the best, says Dennis. Uh, lunch, please, Mick, for Stucky Design in Blackpool, for all the staff at Doyle Shipping Group in Tivoli, for Imelda and the gang at Cork Distribution in Little Island. Thanks so much. Hi, Mick, it's Rory O'Flaherty here uh, in the HSE Warehouse and Model Farm Road, keeping the frontline workers in their PPE gear. I'd love a bit of nosh. Uh, we'd love some free food here at Island Auto Solutions in Little Island, and that's from Tom and Dan and Michael and Laura. Lunch for the staff at Barbarella. We are getting the bar ready for Monday. That's from Benny and the the crew. Uh, hello Mick, would you consider Oak Fire Pizza for my daughter Michelle Keating and her team at O'Leary Insurance in Blackrock? They've been working all through the pandemic. They will love you forever. Free Food Friday for my sister Laura O'Connor who's working from home in Kilcully for Cloudera since the uh, first lockdown in March. Can I nominate my sister Gemma O'Connor and all the girls at Cheeky Cherubs in Ballancolig, looking after all the babies and toddlers and two more. Annette O'Leary in TK Max in Douglas. Hi Annette. And Free Food Friday for my mam Carol O'Connor return to work at the new Dean Hotel this week. I would also like to win this prize for all the accommodation and cleaning staff at the Dean as they have a busy few months ahead. And Haya, could you, uh, could I get you please to say uh, a happy 66th birthday to my mum June for today. She's the most amazing mum and nana and that's from her kids and grandkids and that's a birthday request now, not a free food Friday request. And that's from her loving husband John in Carrigaline. So happy birthday June for today. Don't have a surname but you're 66 today. Husband John and uh, all the kids and grandkids, you know who you are and a very happy birthday to you. Now, uh, we have lots to give away today, including, of course, our wonderful competition with Musgrave Marketplace. Uh, we're going to be talking to one or two more bars who are opening up uh, on Monday. But in general, Irish hospitality is spinning up to reopen, and Musgrave Marketplace is underpinning that with their 145-year heritage, heritage and their 680 Irish suppliers. And we have had uh, great prizes during the week from Copper Grove in Bandon, from Sutton's Bar and Bistro, from the Maritime Hotel in Bantry. And today it is going to be Ramen. Uh, and Ramen is, of course, uh, a healthy place where you can uh, get uh, fresh to walk food, uh, healthy and nutritious. 150 euros ago, a long way there. Uh, they're open at four o'clock every day. I'll give you more details on that a little later on. But here is the three team tunes for today. This is just for you to listen and maybe ponder and we'll open the lines at about five minutes to twelve. But have a listen. That must be the hardest one of the week. Give you one more listen to it and we'll open the lines at five minutes to twelve. In our Musgrave Marketplace competition, let's go to Ballycotton and to Mossy. Hi Mossy. Hey, Mick, how are you doing? I'm good. I know you're in the Blackbird in Ballycotton. Yeah, it's a beautiful morning down here in Ballycotton. That's uh, down these cars. Absolutely fabulous. Now, the interesting thing about your venue, and this will answer questions for a lot of people who are wondering, you don't have the outdoor space at the front of the bar. You must walk through the bar to get to it. So how does that work? Yeah, like, we're going to use the front entrance, and everybody's got to wear a mask walking through. It's like um, nobody's got toilets out the front, you know, of their premises. 
said they're going to have to go through the bar to go to the bathroom anyway, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, our field kitchen is right out at the back, right on the waterfront in Valley Cotton. And when they come to the door, they get their temperature checked, get the mask, um, make sure they're wearing the mask, and they're shown to their table out in the beer garden. Okay, and then is there a time limit? Mike, we got to use our... We run our bar in common sense and patience, um, that we do, and we got a lot of people trying to come in on Monday and whatever, and all that. So we're giving, we're leaving everybody here at least for two hours outside because we are socially distanced and all that, and we're fought down and approved and all that. So we're going to leave everybody at least two hours, and then we just might need to turn them over. Um, it all depends how busy we are, you know. You yeah. can't be leaving regulars out, and our regular trade was change from winter to summer because there's a lot of carbon parks around the place down here. That is, and we would have those regulars for a couple of months in summer, you know, in normal times and all that. That's here. Um, saying that, Mike Sean McGrath over the road, he's open as well, and Mike's across the road in the schooner, they're open as well. And okay. they've all got bits and pieces of um, beer gardens, and Sean, and so is the sea church. Yeah, so lots to offer in beautiful East Cork. And of course, people are naturally drawn to the beaches, so they'll probably come across your place and others in the area for, for that bit of grub. And uh, you're going to have a time limit up to 8pm. And then it's kind of... See, these are all new rules and regulations that people are going to have to get used to. There isn't essentially a time limit then uh, outside, but you'll you you know you'll have to have to do it to turn the tables up to 8 o'clock and then it's going to be no time limit, is it? It's no time limit then, but, you know, like, um, if there's that coming in, if we've got nobody coming in, they can stay there. You know yeah. what I'm saying, kid? You know... Like Saturday and Sunday would be the only days that we would be getting bogged down and actually asking people to turn over, you know what I mean? Because we've got um, 12 tables outside, you know, socially distancing. We've got a couple of gems and bars with a couple of seats around it and all that. Like. So we've got a quite a big space here, you know, that's it. And what we're trying to do, we're trying to look after everybody and yeah. make sure that people have been locked up for long enough. If we can give somebody a couple of hours and Mike, they can come back on Tuesday and they can stay here all night. <laughs> all evening, you know what I mean? Well, in, in, enjoy what should be your last weekend off, although I suppose you won't have it off, Massey, if you're uh, busy in prep, will you? Oh, uh, sure, we're grand. We've got staff in for training now this morning. We've got a couple of new staff in, you know. That's one of the hardest things, I think, hospitality to find and is trying to get staff and all that. So we got a couple of young lads and they knock on the door. You know, they're inside staff training now this morning, so hopefully that it all goes well and everything anyway, you know. Okay, well, best of luck with it, Mossy. Uh, right down there in East Cork, the Blackbird in Ballycotton, opening with the rest of the bars there for outside service on Monday. Very best of luck, Moss. Thank you for your time, Mike. Thanks, Cheers, all thank best. You. Bye-bye. Thanks, take care, man. Bye. Thanks, bye-bye. Now, John Morgan is a poet, and uh, because of the auspicious occasion of the uh, bars opening for outside service, of course, the cafes and the restaurants, it's not just bars, uh, but many cafes and restaurants are opening as well. John Morgan, good morning to you. Good morning, Mick, and great to speak to you again. Thanks a million. Now, you wrote a poem about the opening of the pubs. I did. I wrote a kind of a humorous poem just about traditionally what the Irish pubs are and what they mean to the Irish people and beyond. And do you want to read it for us or will I read it for you? Um, I can read it if you like. Please, read it with feeling. Okay, ready to go. So it's called the Irish pub. The Irish pub, it's usually up the road, down the road or out the road and it's where all the scale is told. A place where people meet and socialise with each other and have the crack. Irish pubs are famous for all that. For many people, the pub is like their home from home, and without it, they have really felt very alone. Every pub has a few characters that frequent there all the time, and people listen to their every line. Of course, some can get a bit tipsy after a few. Well, that is definitely me, 
and perhaps not you. The pub in Ireland has an occasion for just about every event. It's where many celebrate together and lots of money is spent. The Irish pub, where so many like to sing and dance, and who knows, maybe even a little romance. The Irish pubs attract visitors from near and far because we are so welcoming. Cade me a falter, that's who we Irish are. The local is what it is known as if you go there regularly, and at Christmas time you will probably get a few pints for free. No, the Irish pubs have been closed for well over a year, as I write. Never in Ireland could we have foreseen such a sight. Will they reopen properly in the summertime? We will have to wait and see, and if they will eventually return to normality. The Irish pub where yarn stories and impossible feats are told, I wonder will we again enjoy the days of old. In the Irish pubs, we celebrated, laughed, and occasionally, as we would say, in Cork, got langerated. Ah, we enjoyed ourselves. It was hard to beat it. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. I think you did a much better job than I would do there, John Morgan. It's a lovely poem, and uh, maybe some pubs should put that up on the wall and uh, people could see just well, what, you know, what they're it, missing. It just came to me there last week, and if I could just say there... I do a little poetry myself, and I, I also have my own page now, Mick. It's called John Morgan's Modern Poetry. If anyone would like to, you know, give it a like and share or whatever and follow it. It's, there's about 50 or 60 poems up there now already, and they vary from the Irish pub to anything and everything you can think of. Is it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or what? It's, it's on Facebook now at the moment. John Morgan's? John Morgan's Modern Poetry. Modern poetry. You have a lovely lilt to your voice as well, and you tell the story so well. So I'm glad you did it, not me. Ah, thanks very much for that. I, I appreciate that. And if I could just say, as I'm on the line, because my wife is listening here, as she always does, we celebrated our 15th wedding anniversary there on Wednesday. So just a shout out to Louise Morgan. Happy anniversary. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're you're golden now, anyway. Well, look, you might as well stay in the, the good books if you can. And, you know, we had memories of um, the Blarney Park Hotel. That's, that's where we got married, but short tis long clothes now mix since. Ah, yeah, lots of changes. Lovely poem, John. Well done. Thank you again. Thanks a million. Cheers. Bye and now. That's Bye-bye. John Morgan. And we're going to change uh, from the pub situation and the pub openings. Uh, but before we do, let's have a quick listen to the Dubliners. I was looking for the Noel Purcell version, but couldn't put my hand on it. But the, uh, the Dubliners have a lovely version. Uh, and we'll dedicate this to all publicans and all staff uh, and all restaurateurs who are going back. And we're going to be talking to gyms in a minute, but this doesn't really apply to gyms. This is the opposite uh, of what you go to a gym for. But here's the Dubliners and a pint of plain. When things go wrong and will not come right, a pint of plain is your only man. And as we move on now from the pub scene, let's look at the gyms reopening as well. Joe Hegarty is from Diverse Performance, uh, College Commercial Park on Magazine Road. Morning to you, Joe. Good morning, how are things? Very good. Like most gym owners, you didn't expect the lockdown to last this long. Oh, no, Jesus, not at all. I uh, Actually, I was only saying to my girlfriend yesterday, I've been on the radio more times this year than I've trained people, so <laughs> um, that's, that's one stat that I can hold for this year. Um, but no, not at all. I didn't think it would last as long as it did, uh, especially since the start of last March. But Yeah, how, how, how did you retain clients during the lockdown? Did you engage with them online or what? Um, yeah, so like the first, at the, like last March was probably the toughest because it was kind of a shock for everyone, but I think everyone kind of wanted to stay in some form of a routine. So like there were so many online classes available. Like I started online classes straight away. Um, I started them with uh, Sabrina Hill in Copper Hair Salon. So we started doing online classes like, straight away to keep people 
engage and keep people training and stuff like that and like obviously reaching out to clients every week like we have a group chat in work where like all the clients are involved as well and like so we message in every week and we just like touch base with everyone and message but obviously as the months went on and went into like the darker days we say October, November December, January it was just it was becoming more of a mental battle for most people then so I think that's when people started to struggle really and I think people's last like interest was doing an online class in their bedroom or their front room and stuff so that's where it kind of got tough but at the start we just kept the online classes going and tried to keep people interested as much as we can but obviously I think there's a lot of former gym users whose uh, positive mental, mental health will be enhanced from next Monday I think that you know a lot of people if, if you are into the gym culture and the gym life health and nutrition and exercise uh, you really have uh, had a difficult year Oh, it's been absolutely mental like and even like even myself like I like I know there's so many people are like because my studio is like one on one a private studio um, it is you know a mental health is a big thing like anxiety or depression or just people being nervous going into commercial gyms and stuff like that so my biggest concern was those people and obviously everybody else but you know that was taken away from them somewhere where they felt comfortable exercising probably for the first time in their lives or somewhere where they just felt they can relax or be themselves or whatever the case may be and then I think, like, obviously, the mental battle was probably the hardest for most of those people. And so hopefully you now coming back on Monday, you know, people will pick themselves back up again and they'll be able to get back into that routine. But definitely, I think the mental side of it, even for myself, was probably near, like, the latter end of it was definitely mm. the hardest part. To yeah. And with. I know you, you opened up on your own Instagram about that after feeling a little down the dumps. Yeah, um, I did recently, I did a video just, like, I wouldn't be one to, like suffer with my mental health fortunately enough like I have a great support group and stuff but over the last since January I think I just started suffering with uh, severe anxiety and depression and stuff like that and people obviously assume that's because I'm a business owner or whatever the case may be or you know like they just obviously assumptions or whatever but to be like oh sure how could he suffer from his mental health he's a great life and you know yeah. it's obviously not the case when like your only livelihood is like the business you built or the brand you own or whatever could potentially close down or you know yeah, it's your life's work and it's your, it's your income yeah. and everything else Exactly, and like, you know, obviously enjoying what you do and then that's taken away from you and you're kind of like, at one point there I was on Indeed and I was applying for random factory jobs and I just thought to myself, I was like, this is absolute <laughs> nightmare. Like, I was like, I don't know how. how and I in my head here? already, I, I, I'd convinced myself that it wasn't going to reopen. But hold, like... You think it's all, it was unfair that one, one-on-one one one instruction in gyms wasn't allowed through the pandemic? Oh, 100%. I think, like, obviously, like, like you know, guidelines and stuff like that were given in. Well, elite like, sports were. I, I love that term. In fact, I hate it. Elite yeah. sports. And, that's, and, like, you know, like, I live close enough to Parky Creeve, you know, you might see, like, the GA players go in and out, and whether they were going in privately or whether they were allowed, or, you know, like, in and out of hurling clubs and stuff. And then the annoying part of that was, like, those fellas are probably, you know, they're still working their day jobs, maybe. I don't know. But, like, I had people who've trained with me who've probably lost their jobs who were probably on the pub payment and training was their only like probably the best thing that they did Monday to Friday coming in twice a week and I was taken from them and I couldn't train someone in a private facility where I can stand 10 metres away from them and you know, like fully sanitised everything is clean and whatnot. but fellas were allowed to go onto a pitch and play however many aside and mm-hmm. bump shoulders and pull each other and drag each other and share dressing rooms and everything like that now obviously it's frustrating but look it is what it is and I suppose like I said, I, I always disagreed with the fact that they closed one-on-one PT studios. I think there should have been better guidelines there, but sure. Who sure. might to say okay. really? But, so your main focus now is getting the clients back in, catching up with everybody, getting everybody back on programs, I suppose, back to their pre-lockdown routines, get the training, get the good food in, good nutrition. 
yeah, that's the main aim now next week. Like, we've been kind of meeting people now this week, just like touching base with everyone and, you know, just seeing how everyone got on during the lockdown and everything else like that. So next week now is the main focus now, just getting people back and get people back in training, get them back into routines. You know, it's great to see people now this week coming in, like, with a smile on their face and they're buzzing to get back. And, you know, like, next week now, like I said, our main goal is just getting people back in and getting people into that routine, get them back into the swing of things and back into the training and the good food because I think people probably took too much advantage of the good food and the takeaway drinks and the drinking at home and sit watching too much Netflix and not doing any <laughs> exercise. But um, that's expected, I suppose, when it went down for so long. So, yeah, so it's just we're getting people back into it now next week, so I can't wait to get people back in. And have have you had to make adjustments, e- even though you are allowed to open? Have you had to make adjustments to adhere to the current uh, guidelines? Yeah, so, like, we were fairly, like, it's like it's a very spacious studio anyway because, like I said, it is one-on-one, so, like, you don't need a pilot space, but we've knocked off, like, small, like, we had a, another office, like, a waiting room. We've just knocked that completely now because, obviously, there won't be a need for any waiting room. Um, so, we've knocked that, so we've made the gym floor bigger and uh, any equipment that we didn't need, we've gotten rid of, and then any new equipment that we didn't need, we brought in so that we've everything fully facilitated and everything in order for when people do come in, so... Brilliant. All ready, right. ready, to, ready to go now. Well done, Joe. Uh, I hope the next day you're closed will be Christmas Day. Hopefully everything yeah, will, will hopefully keep that's the plan anyway. Yeah. All right. Joe Hagerty from Diverse Performance in the College Commercial Park on Magazine Road near Dennehy's Cross. Uh, thanks very much for coming on this morning. Thank you very much for having me on. Thanks very much. Thanks a million. Now, let's go to line six and to Pat O'Sullivan. Uh, and this is a nostalgic story, really, more than anything else. Pat, your, your family used to own the big tree in Ahern, Connor. That's correct, Mick, yeah. It's between Connor and Castellines, a small little hamlet, you know? Small little, I love that word. Small little hamlet. It sounds like you're coming from Robin Hood. Uh, And (laughs) and a number of famous people passed through your doors back in the day. There was indeed, I suppose the most famous, I'd say, would be a fellow called Hutt Hatfield and Fred Astaire. Yeah, Hutt Hatfield, the actor Fred Astaire, the actor-dancer. He was just a man, yeah. You see, make one time there was a main road from Cork to Dublin was going through a helm. It it would go from that Cormac down into the small and over the over the V. Did you ever hear of the V? I did of course, been there many times. Yeah, you yeah, well, going into care there. But the big the pub then obviously it wasn't a big tree that time, but there was a stop off for the horses. It was a little ford in the bridge in the river there and they'd seen the horses' feet there. And it became a little, a little, I suppose, a little tavern, really, in those times. Mm-hmm. But Fred Astaire, well, his relations would be living in his more castle. I, I think his sister was married to the, the, the you know, the, the head, the top man down there. He was the Duke of Devonshire, you know. Yeah, he had a. He had, Fred Astaire had a big affinity with Ireland, as did Charlie Chaplin, actually. Oh, yes, Charlie Chaplin, yes. But Fred Astaire one time was being ferried back to Cork Airport and the car broke down because just near a helm. And while he was waiting for a replacement, he came into my old aunt long ago and uh, there was a Castellines baker one time, Coleman's bread, and he fell in love with that. Now, he, he wasn't really taken with the porter. It was a beamish house. He wasn't taken with the porter, but he was mad for the bread. And on his return again, he sent for bread up there one time. Wow. The famous Fred Astaire. Hurt Hatfield. Hurt Hatfield, the actor, he was in Dorian Gray, wasn't he? He was, he was spot on. He, he, was, uh, he, he, was, um, he was a great character. He lived over near Rat Cormac in Bell and Terry House. And Mick, he used to dress, we were afraid of him when we were young. He used to dress like, do you know the Sandy Men Port bottle? There's a fellow with a cape in it. That's right. And, and a big wide awake hat. And he'd come into the bar. Again, he wouldn't be interested in the drink side of it. 
but he'd be showing my aunt old um, antiques that he bought in his travels, you know. And always that time, you might have five or six old lads around the pub, but he'd do a version of Shakespeare or something, because he was English originally. He went to America as a young man, you know. Yes. And he died on a Christmas day over in Rackcormack. I always remember that. Did he die in Rackcormack? He did. He did indeed. He died of a Christmas day in the 80s, the early 80s, Mick. He did indeed. And right. we also had a famous man called Condoyle. He, he was the owner of the album of the famous song by Jimmy Crowley, the album of Car. Oh, right, okay. He I know that song, yeah. He, yeah, he used to come down here now, but that's uh, a boy popped off, off a, a cousin of mine. But we're opening, they're opening up again anyway on Monday night. And first, you'll see you for giving the public a bit of a shout there now because it is vital for a place like us to have a small little place, you know? Yeah. Because all the pubs around us are, are closing down, all the outside ones. In Connor Village and Cast Lines now, Belly Noor and places like that, and the Plough and Corridors, they're, they're open all right, but Cully Foley's now, the lump shop in the mountain, we just call it, that's closed with a few years, and and Coolagown. Did you ever hear of Coolagown? I didn't. It'll be in Castle Lines Parish. They win the Lord of Charlie Town Awards there, Mick, but um, they have a small little pub there one time, you know, and um, there's Murphy's one time, but that's closed now too, so... We're the only crowd here in the heaven keeping those flag going for the rural pub, you know? Oh, fantastic. And George Papard was in your pub at one stage, wasn't he? George Papard of the A-team. Well, he was, yeah. He, he did a big thing at filming in Formoy there, Mick, where we're on the outer road from Formoy. That was the Blue Max, was it? That, that's correct, that's correct, yeah. And um, he was only looking at houses. He was looking to buy a few big houses or something. Yeah, wasn't that he the was one laughing. where wasn't that the one where the biplane flew under the bridge? You're, you're, spot, you're spot on. You're spot on. Yeah. Actually, a friend of mine, a friend of mine did it after. Emlyn Heaps was his name. Emlyn, Emlyn had a small plane. He took on the challenge and he did it. Right, he because the, 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 the act, the actual plane that that did that is a model plane, and it's it's hanging up in uh, the workshop, which is up near the end of the Cork Airport runway. It's a kind of a That's tea and coffee shop. Yeah, yeah, it's hanging up over the counter there. Uh, and there's a little notice that this this is the actual plane that they used in the film The Blue Max. So check that out when they open on the inside. It's a place called The Workshop, an old farm workshed, really, converted into a kind of a... Uh, and it's brilliant because all of the crockery doesn't match. It's very, very quirky, you know, in a positive way. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And we also, we also don't hear had Rory Gallagher when he was in the Fontana show band. He was there as a young boy here, you know? Yeah, before he discovered the blues. Before he discovered the blues as well. And a great, a, a great uh, uh, friend of Neil's there now, so is more Connor, more Staffelhoff, um, the Staffelhoff serving porter here long ago when he was young, you know? And not but many, not many people call it porter anymore, do they? No, it was a, it was a, it was a porter house, a beamish porter house long ago. Okay. And, and one time, um, my aunt's mother then, she was the cool. Sunday, from down from the city would come a, a party of solicitors and doctors because you would have posh all the area around here with all the big houses you see uh-huh. and they'd come down and she'd cook for parties of 12 under fire make wow and that'd be a three course meal happier days huh great stuff yeah. Pat very best of luck so the big tree is still open in a hern is it I might be engineer on the proposal Thank you very much for your time this morning. Thanks a million, I Pat. Really appreciate it. Thanks a million. Thanks, bye bye. Thanks, mate. Good luck, no bye. Thanks. Bye bye. Now I might have done somebody a disservice saying their bar was closed when in fact it's open. Uh, so thanks to Seamus for correcting me on that one. Uh, and I'm delighted to say I would just like to let Mick know that a restaurant and bar in beautiful East Cork that he did call to on occasion while he was out in his boat is opening Monday for outdoor dining. It's under new ownership. See, I thought when it closed it was closed for good, but uh, I'm delighted to know it's open again. It's under new ownership. 
uh, or should I say previous ownership from the Pepperstack Bistro uh, back to Rosie's Bar and Restaurant. So uh, it's open or opening on Monday. And could he give us a mention uh, and tell tell him he's welcome anytime? So best of luck to Hillary and all the gang there. Rosie's Pepperstack, not sure what the branding is going to be. Uh, but I was mentioning earlier on that the uh, the wonderful pontoon facility in Ahada now doesn't have uh, a hostelry. Uh, to attract people in. And I'm delighted to correct that and say, yes, it does. So well done to the Pepperstack Bistro, Rosie's Bar at the end of the pier uh, in Ahada, which is reopening on Monday. Delighted to correct that. Uh, so for the listeners, if you want to give us a call on one eight five zero one zero four one zero six or a text on 86 uh, because Seamus met Prince Andrew before and Brenda met David Beckham a couple of times. For the listeners, who are the most famous people uh, that you've met? Uh, give us a text if you don't want to come on the air. Or give us a call. Uh, who is the most famous person that you ever met? Back in a moment. The Neil Prenderville Show. Before we take a commercial break, let me just mention the Musgrave Marketplace. We've so much on today. Irish hospitality needing uh, all of our support to get back up on their feet and reopen on Monday. Uh, most of it anyway. The hotel's open already. Musgrave Marketplace, 145 years heritage in this area and encouraging us with their 680 suppliers uh, to proudly support the reopening of the Irish hospitality industry. We have a 150 euro voucher to give away and it's uh, for ramen today and ramen is dotted around Cork, naturally fresh and healthy and 150 euros go a long way there. So have a listen we won't open the lines now but we will at 5 minutes to 12. Three theme tunes Actually I'm better off saying three sig tunes than three theme tunes. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Have a listen again 150 euro voucher today for ramen, naturally fresh and healthy. And all of our daily winners then will go into a draw for a 500 euro voucher for the Brehan Hotel in Killarney. Thanks to Musgrave Marketplace. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. The most famous person you ever met. I uh, just got a text from Kieran Barry to say that uh, he met uh, JFK's sister, Jean Kennedy Smith. Uh, somebody else texted in, I met Neil Prenderville in Marbella. Does that count? And on line two, we have Dan. Hi, Dan. Hello, good morning. Just This is just a little aside, just a little tangent we're going off on, a little bit of fun uh, for a Friday to lighten it up a little bit. Who did you meet? I met uh, what you call it, yeah, the guy in hot chocolate, Ellen Brown. When I was up in Portsmouth, I walked it. Uh, he was one of the first trendy, baldy guys, if I remember correctly. That's right, that's right. He was a proper gentleman, let me tell you that, no for nothing. Was he? Because I was, walk- yeah, I was walking in the club at the time, God on my and the band was there, and he was a nice woman at that time, Lance was her name. And uh, <laughs> the funny one was, um, there was one, one, one evening I said, when he gone in, gone in, I said, look, I said, it's my birthday, it's hell, I said, I want you to sing another song for me. Well, right? Were they playing a lot in the UK at that time? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God, they were, they were, they were brilliant. They were a brilliant band. And, um, yeah, it was Jesus next day. I was walking in front of the stage anyway, you know. And he said, this is for you. No, he said this song. He said, he's proud of me sang the Forty Shades of Green. Did he? Forty Shades he of Green? Hot yeah. chocolate? Yeah. yeah, yeah, in fairness to him. They had some very, very big hits, if I remember. They had Girl Crazy. They had uh, It Started With a Kiss. That's uh, right. That's so right. You Win Again, right. Everyone's a Winner. Yeah, um, so they, were start, they were only after starting off that time, you know. Um, what was it, what was the other one with the kind of a spaceship start to it? It was a brilliant song. Is it, did they have no doubt about it? Oh, they were brilliant. They were brilliant. Yeah, they, they did. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know what? Even our own Brendan O'Brien, I often had a few points for him. You know. Yeah, yeah I, I knew Brendan O'Brien. Lovely guy. For the time he left Elvis waiting for him, I thought that was very funny. Tell me, <laughs> the, tell me about that. I don't know that story. 
Well, they were in Las Vegas. The band was in Las Vegas, and of course, there was a time for them to come out anyway. And, um, and of course, the, the rest of the band went out. And Elvis was there, of course. And the next thing, um, Elvis says, Where's Brendan? Oh, he'll be on his way in a minute. <laughs> that was the time that, that, was the time that Brendan left him waiting. <laughs> uh, that's, that's good. That's good to have on your record, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Just, they're just normal people like ourselves, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, good to hear that Errol Brown from Hot Chocolate was a gentleman. I've always admired their music. At the end of the night, when all the people, were, all the patrons were gone out of the club, we'd all sit down around the table and fair dose them. We'd buy the, we'd buy the drinks for everybody. Yeah. That's from, people are normal when they're out, and unless they're being hassled, you know. I met the Rolling Stones one night in a nightclub. Shook hands with Mick Jagger. And then there was another, there was another mad one then. She was in a band, Soyuxi and the Banshees. She was, she was, she was, she was another. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was at a wedding with, with Hazel O'Connor and she took her top off and danced around at the wedding in her black bra. I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> there's I, a girl who I, 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 doesn't take I, I, herself I too seriously. Were, I hope you averted your eyes. I averted my gaze, I did. <laughs> I did. I, I, I see what it is. All right, go on, I'll talk to you again. All the best. Cheers, bye-bye. Let's go to line six and Bear. This is just a small tangent we're on. We're having fun. Bear, good morning. Hi, Mick, how are you? I'm good. Who did you meet? Um, I met Henry Cooper, the boxer, about 30 years ago when I was living in London. And I was just walking down the road after doing my shopping in Tesco's. And next thing he was coming towards me with his dog. He lived um, in Hendon as well. Okay. That's part of London I lived in. And he was so lovely. He just stopped talking to us and I was just telling him that we used to see him. My father loved him as a boxer and that was it. He just stopped talking to us for about five minutes. I remember Henry he Cooper in his heyday. He was a good looking man. He was a big man. He put Muhammad Ali oh down, didn't God, he? he? Yeah, he was enormous. Just talking to him and the dog started barking at me. <laughs> wow. But he was lovely. Ah, oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. It confirms my suspicions that he was a nice man. Oh, he was very, very nice and don't hurt. Yeah. Lovely. Thanks a million for that, Burr. Okay, thanks. Appreciate it. Cheers, bye-bye. A text just says, bye. I met Michael Jordan, the basketball legend, in Havana Brown's nightclub in Washington Street when he was here on a golf holiday. Uh, somebody else said, I met Jonathan Ross and I met Little Mix as well. Hi, Mick. I met the edge of you two at Heathrow with his family soon after seeing him at Slane 2002. Really nice guy. A beautiful day here in West Cork. Uh, fire on a beautiful day, uh, says U2 fan. And uh, cheers, Mick. Uh, that, uh, sorry, it is Mick uh, texting Mick. Okay. Uh, so famous people, if you've met anybody, one eight five zero one zero four one zero six or text 0868104106. And uh, we'll get a few more in before uh, we carry on with the uh, business of the day. Here's uh, a couple of texts I need to get to on easing, easing restrictions. Hi, Mick. I can't understand why the government are easing measures when we have a dark cloud hanging over us in the form of the Indian variant of COVID-19. England has stopped easing measures because of it. The AstraZeneca vaccine one-shot is little effective against the Indian variant. Indeed, we heard that yesterday. Therefore, all household visits should stop and meeting indoors should be held outdoors before the variant takes off and is spread by those vaccinated to others who are not yet fully vaccinated, so says Jerry. Hi Mick, the pharmacist should have been used from the start instead of having people with underlying medical conditions travelling to the four corners of the country. Hi Mick, they say uh, that we are not all not as protected as we might think uh, we are against COVID. The Delta or Indian variant, meantime, has taken over in England as the dominant strain as cases surge daily. Haven't we learned from this? As it happened in England first before Christmas and then here and caused the long, long lockdown we're just coming out of 
Shouldn't we act now at least to stop home visits and indoor meetings and unnecessary gatherings? Uh, so those are some texts that came in over the last 24 hours on 0868104106. Let's take one more on the famous people you've met. Shauna, good morning. Good morning. Hi, who did you meet? I met John Travolta. Wow. Yeah. Uh, where was this? Um, in Miami, about 15 years ago. Yeah, my sister-in-law bumped into him in California as well on Rodeo Drive. Uh, what was his wife's name? Was it Kelly Preston? <laughs> Kelly Preston, yeah, and he had yeah. two children as well at the time. I was only eleven. Well, he was lovely. Um, he was lovely, apparently, to my sister-in-law. Anyway, yeah, he was lovely. I actually got invited to dinner by them because I was actually friends with his children at the time in the hotel. Wow. Yeah, so I got uh, got to go for dinner with them and then we went up to their, their suites and watched movies and takeaway and plays and all that with the kids. So you were, you were just uh, an erstwhile comrade for the kids. You just bumped into each other and made friends, <laughs> is it? Yeah, I made friends with them and they asked me do they want to go for dinner with their parents and sure, my parents were a bit wary because they didn't really know or whatever. How about sure it's grand so when it's John Travolta? But we didn't we didn't know that at the time, and yeah. uh, so my dad kind of came down with me, and then I was sitting at dinner, and the little girl was like, um, "Oh, can I tell her?" She's like, "Yeah," and she's like, "My dad is John Travolta," and then he walked in afterwards. Wow! And how how did that feel yeah. for you? Did you know him? Um, I I only knew him from the Grease movie, but um, just as you got older, then I suppose you kind of realised how much of a big deal it was. Yeah. <laughs> Of course, of course yeah. his his career were revived by Quentin Tarantino, and then he became a massive global superstar again. Yeah, yeah. So as I got older, I realised how much bigger a deal it was to meet him. <laughs> wow, well done. Thanks a million. No problem. Bye. Thanks, Shauna. Uh, Bye. Oh, no, no, now we're really getting a deluge of them. Robin, good morning. Hey, how are you? Who ordered a bagel off you? Uh, Justin Bieber, in, uh, when I was working in Tim Hortons in Toronto. Wow, okay. Uh, he drove past me in a car at the, at the RDS. I was uh, picking, up my, <laughs> picking up my girls and we were meeting at uh, just kind of at the crossroads there at the RDS. And uh, yeah. the cops, the, the guards all stopped everything and this black limo came down with a window down and uh, his elbow out the window and here I'm three feet looking into Justin Bieber's face. I can't say I met him, yeah. but he ordered a bagel off you. Yeah, it was, uh, it was funny because uh, I was just doing a training on the, the tills there, so he was ordering the bagel and like I didn't have a clue what I was keying in. So uh, <laughs> some of the staff that were there then for years, when I told them the story, they were like, you've been here for about two weeks. Now we've been here for five years and that, uh, that happened to you. Like, <laughs> wow. So they were, uh, they were aging. But yeah, like nothing uh, mad like the last caller, but yeah. Ordering a bagel is not the most glamorous way to uh, <laughs> meet There you go. Like. You met Gillian Anderson as well, did you? Yeah, that was at a fan expo again in uh, Toronto. Uh, that's kind of like uh, where a lot of um, act- actors from like sci-fi shows and stuff would go. So that was, just met her, got a picture. Very, very kind of brief thing. Yeah, I, I would venture, I know the guy who's met most famous people, uh, the, the Irish guy who's met most famous people. Uh, his name is Pat, but we call him Mossy. And he looks after all, all, right. the pri- all the private planes up in Cork Airport. He's got pictures on his phone uh, with everybody from Lionel Richie to uh, Bill Clinton to, you, you know, he's probably met the most. Gillian, uh, um, what's, what's her name? Julia Roberts, all that kind of thing. Yeah, I suppose when you're, when you're in that line of work, you probably come across a lot of people, really. Like. Yeah, brilliant. Well done, Robin. Uh, you met Justin uh, Bieber and Gillian uh, Anderson. 
Uh, thanks yeah. a million. I'm cabin crew. I had Michael Jackson with his kids and two helpers in my flight. I met Patrick Bergen at John B. Keane's funeral in his pub, the Shabine in Lestole. Says Eilish, I met George Best in Tenerife many years ago. He was doing an autograph and photo session in Gary Lineker's bar. Had a few words with him and I was struck by how unassuming and lovely he was. No ego at all. When working in juries, I met Michael Jackson and Bubbles, his monkey. All the Liverpool team, Mike Oldfield, Status Quo, Bono, Michael D, and lots more. And the most ignorant person was Ray Reardon, the snooker player. Uh, he was playing a friendly with Alex Higgins, uh, who was sound out. Uh, but uh, Ray Reardon was absolutely not. Uh, so we have uh, famous people. We'll uh, take a few more by text 0868104106 or uh, you can call in on 1850104106. Who have you met uh, that you would be uh, able to tell us uh, in the famous variety that is? We're back in a moment. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. And at seven and a half minutes to 11 o'clock, let's go to line one to Joe. Hi, Joe. Hi, Nick. You met Clint Eastwood? I did. I, actually, I was in, a few years ago, I was at my wife on holidays in San Francisco. And we, we went to this town called Carmel. Yeah, he was the and mayor then, of Carmel, wasn't he? Ca- Ca- he was the mayor of Carmel, yeah. And he owns a, a restaurant there called the Mission Ranch. And uh, we, we went in there for a meal uh, one evening. And... Um, my seven, this, the, the, my seven other men went out for a walk just after the meal and my wife followed me out and she says, come in quick, there's somebody here you would like to see. And he was inside sitting down in a kind of an alcove, which is uh, presumed to see secretary to with him. Mm-hmm. So we we asked the staff to know, could we talk to him or could we get a photograph or anything? So they said, no, it was midweek, it was a Wednesday. And he said, uh, he, he just hangs out from this quiet, you know? Mm-hmm. So we were happy enough for that. We at least we were after seeing him. But the next night we were going, we were staying in Carmel that night. And the next, the next night after all day touring along, we came back again, and we went for a meet again. And we said we got on to the same place. And when I went on, you, we walked in through the bar to go to the restaurant, and he was walking out against me, and we were kind of walking a file, and I happened to be first. And I just said good evening, and he said good evening. He says nice to see, you, and he kind of tipped his hat. And where wow. he went. Oh, that's a lovely memory, isn't it? You know, he's a fantastic uh, composer and pianist. And if oh. you watch the movie Unforgiven, the beautiful Claudia's theme, it's one of my favourite instrumentals. Claudia's right. theme, have a listen to it or look it up on Spotify or YouTube, was written right. by, as performed by Lenny Nyhouse in the orchestra, but it's written by Clint Eastwood. An absolutely gorgeous tune. Thanks a million, Joe. There was a band in the, in the, in the actual restaurant playing... And they seem to they played in a lot of his musicals, a lot of his uh, Western films. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah but, okay, but, Mick, thanks. But ch- check out Claudia's theme, you'll be delighted with it, written by Clint Eastwood. Oh, okay. Michael, okay. good morning. Hello, Michael. Hello, uh, hello, Michael. No, you met Gene Hackman. I did, I met Gene Hackman over in Paris back in 74, 1974. He had been with his wife down in Denise, uh, in the south of France. And I uh, had a few photographs taken with him. And um, so I travelled over to London then at another time, and I met the great uh, Billy Eckstein. Oh, very good. The, the great uh, jazz and um, romantic singer, like, you know. And did you meet Glenn Miller as well? I met Glenn Miller. The, not Glenn Miller, his brother, Herbie Miller. Oh, Herbie Miller, okay. Yeah, I met him in, would you believe it, here in Cork City. In 1982, with their pickup band from London, uh, playing the music of uh, the Miller Sound, you know? Yeah, I, I interviewed no, uh, Noel Orbison. You can imagine whose brother that was, Roy Orbison, right? 
yeah. A lovely guy. Yeah, I'll tell you a story about a, a guy who met a famous person. Uh, and I, I'm not sure how much of an urban myth this is, but apparently the old doorman, you know, the top and tails doorman yeah. in the Great Southern Hotel in Killarney, yeah. uh, was standing out one night. Uh, it was a quiet night, and uh, he was admiring a, a view of the moon. And yeah. a man came out for a breath of air and stood next to him, and uh, he, the doorman turned around and said, Christ, you'll never get a view of the moon like you will down in Kelly. <laughs> and uh, the the guy turned around and he said, uh, well, I beg to differ. And he put his hand and he said, I'm Neil Armstrong. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Great goodness. story. What a surprise. Yeah, okay. But, uh, I did uh, ring, uh, meet uh, another guy, you might not have known him, uh, if you're not into jazz, uh, Buddy DeFranco, one of the great jazz clarinetists. I've heard I've heard the name, but no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really know his stuff. Yeah, he was with Terry... Um, Another Viper Harpers, like now they came to the um, Metropolitan Hotel there one time at the Jazz Festival. Of course, I'm co founder of Cog Jazz Festival myself back back in the 1970s. We won't have a Jazz Festival this year, or will we? We hope we do, but. Yeah, yeah, but. uh, Probably too late to organise now, anyway. Yeah, for the last few years, anyway, he's been kind of watered down a lot, you know, Mick, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got to leave it there, Michael. Thanks a million for coming on. Glenn Miller, or no, Glenn Miller's brother. Uh, Herbie, Herbie uh, Billy Miller, Eckstein yeah. and you did meet Gene Hackman under the Eiffel Tower thanks a million thanks Mike thanks Bye-bye. one more play for our Musgrave Marketplace competition Musgrave Marketplace is an Irish family business passionate about supporting jobs in the local economy 145 years doing it with 680 suppliers uh, Ramen naturally healthy and fresh uh, is a 150 euro voucher is up for grabs today we'll open the lines at 5 minutes to 12 here are the three sig tunes <laughs> They're tough today, so we'll give you one more listen to them. And we'll open the lines in just under an hour's time. Right now, with the time coming up in three minutes to 11, news is on the way. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. It's Friday, it's Bank Holiday Friday, and of course it's still Free Food Friday and Oak Fire Pizza. Real Wood Fire Pizza now in Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street and Galabi Street are soon to be joined by a brand new outlet in East Village in Douglas. A new store opening there. And we have three winners every Friday. Now not just one winner of a huge amount of pizzas, but three winners, each receiving four pizzas and two sides. And uh, we are going to give some mentions now. Uh, and we'll pick our winner later in this hour. Or our winners, should I say. All the girls here in Little Island Dental Surgery. We'd love some pizza to brighten our days and break our diets. Christine Martin Rylan, working from home for Dell and Balancholic. Please give a shout out to the girls working in Golden Years Care Services based in Belgooley. Catherine, Laura, Ashley, Tricia, Maria H and all the team. Patrick Donovan at Donovan Auto Services in Glanmire. For all the day service staff in Brothers of Charity. We've been working hard all year round. Lunch please for the store fit shop fitters in Wilton. Would love pizza for the hardworking staff at Mark Murphy Motors in the Woolen Mills in Douglas please. Lunch for all the hardworking mental health nurses in Ravenscourt Day Hospital who've been uh, working hard throughout this lockdown. Lunch would be a nice treat for the hard-working team. We'd love lunch for all the hard-working uh, workers at Cost Plus Tires on the Ballycreen Industrial Estate. Hi, Mick, I'm working hard at Keepsake Candles and Frames 
Would love to win some lunch, please. That's Maria. Karen and her colleagues at O'Donovan's Pharmacy in Ballyfehan. Lunch, please, for George O'Regan at Euro Car Parts on the uh, Dutcline Industrial Estate. I'd love to win uh, the Oak Farm Pizza for my dad, Paul Lenehan, and his work buddies down in Pfizer in Ringus Kitty. We'd love some pizza. We're renovating the kitchen. And it would be brilliant, as we have no cooking facilities. We love listening to you from Teresa. In Farman Ree, all the staff at Kerry Tools and Albert Key would love a bit of lunch. This Friday, there's about 15 of us in sales and we're starving. I work at Kiri's on the Kinsale Road Roundabout. Ten hungry valeters from Eric and the lads would love to win some free lunch from me and my colleagues in St. Aidan's in Dublin Hill. We're busy getting ready for the Leaving Cert exams next week. Could you give a big shout out to my amazing members from Slimming World and Frankfield Douglas? We've reopened our doors recently. It was great to see everyone. It's been a tough 14 months and that's from Linda. I'm not sure if that's a request or a request for pizza to Slimming World in Frankfield and Douglas. But hi mate, could you please consider my uh, daughter Erica Lynch and her colleagues working hard. Uh, we did that one already. Uh, could you please uh, sort us over some pizza, please, from all the lads working in Mick Cullinan plastering. Uh, big shout out to Countrywide Drains in Dripsy. We've been uh, cleaning drains since the COVID started and we're hungry for pizza. And there's a few more we'll get to now uh, for all the hungry, hardworking staff at Clona Dairy Products in Wilton, working hard through the lockdown. Happy Friday, Mick and Co. would love some Oak Fire Pizza from Jim Kelly, Associates in the South Ring Business Park. Still hoping to win some pizza to share. Please include me for Free Food Friday. Working for, uh, for UCC from home in Ballincollig. Red FM has kept me going throughout the year. Thanks, says Maura Murphy. Uh, three or four more. Can I nominate all the staff at St. Anne's Ward in Marymount for the amazing work they do every day? Uh, here, here. City D. Well Construction uh, in Farron Ferris. Two more. All the girls in Riverview Vets in Carrigaline working hard with all the cats and dogs and deserving of a free lunch from Angela. And one more now. Uh, we would love uh, the crew at Sunbeam Vets in Blackpool to get the pizzas. They are an amazing at their job and deserve a treat. I've had some experience of, uh, well, my family has, of Sunbeam Vets in Blackpool. Absolutely top of the range they are too. Now then, we have uh, lots of texts and calls and comments regarding famous people. Mick, I once shared a sandwich with Bruce Springsteen. I was security on his dressing room door many moons ago. The same night I met Daniel Day-Lewis and Imelda May. I was only in my early 20s at the time. Great memories. I went to Milton Keynes to see ACDC with Martin Stewart and Donny Leary from Monkstown. I ended up staying in the same hotel as the band. Great weekend away, says Paul. Had the absolute pleasure of meeting a lady by the name of Eva Schloss. Now, Eva Schloss was uh, the uh, lady who survived the Holocaust and uh, is and was Anne Frank's stepsister. And what a legend. I met Hugh Grant at Fulham Football Club. Beautiful actor, but slightly obnoxious in person. I make we're married 29 years on the 12th of June and went to Disney World Orlando on honeymoon and one day walking through one of the theme parks we met Paul McGrath and his partner we stopped to say hello and he asked us to go for a drink with him we were too shy and declined sorry to this day would have loved to have a longer conversation with him says Margaret in Douglas I met Johnny Lydon the, uh, aka Johnny Rotten at a book signing in London the security said only book to be signed and warned me as I got a Sex Pistols album out Johnny wasn't having any of it and said I will sign what I want I found out sometime after that we shared the same godmother, uh, says Sean Gordon. Let's go back to our phone lines. Hi, Pat. Good morning to you. Morning, Mick. How are you? Very good. Who did you meet? Uh, Ian Brown, Manny from the Stone Roses. Stone Act, Roses. Right, in July in 2012 when they reformed. The same night met Brian O'Driscoll, the Irish rugby captain at the time. Wow. That's good. That, um, that's a good selection. Yeah, Ian Brown and Manny were completely down to up. It made a complete kiss of myself with Brian O'Driscoll. Why? 
he was with Rod Carney and a couple of the other Leinster lads made a thing I said pity you didn't play for Munster to which he put me down quite well and said I'd have three I'd have only have two Heineken Cup medals as against the three I had uh, played for Leinster soccer punch there Oh God, yeah! <clears throat> I was digging the hole all the way to Australia. Ah, but you were you were paying him a compliment, like? <laughs> uh, yeah, but they didn't see it that way. Munster Leinster rivalry doesn't go down well, I don't think. The big rivalry, yeah. Uh, have oh you, God, have yeah. you got something to do with the elm tree in Lanthorn? Nothing at all. I got to do with it. I'm just a contractor that goes in and out of places getting them ready. And the elm tree in Glantall needs needs a serious mention. Okay, I was going to do it anyway because that that is a seriously huge setup and a big employer as well. You'd want to go and have a look. Okay. Well, I I believe I, I saw some stuff on social media that. Uh, the you know everywhere gets a facelift. This is more than a facelift. This is a massive oh, renovation, apparently. This is just out of this world. Okay. If anybody is nervous about going anywhere with as regards the pandemic and COVID and all the rest of it, and I can understand people's nervousness and what have you, especially the elderly. This is the place to take them for their night out. Okay. Tell me about it. What's uh, as a contractor working there? What What have you done, or what What's it like now? Um, it's It's not what we've done. We only just provide certain services to them. It's nothing what we've done. It's what they've done to make people at ease. They have a separate area for those that just want to drink. They have an area for people all in marquees and three different marquees outside the thing they have a waiting marquee they have a seated marquee for dining they have a, a seated marquee area for just having a drink everything is customer centred what they've done is, beyond, is above and beyond it's the best I've seen in the city and county ok fair play to them and they're of course without a, sh- without a shadow of a doubt I sent in a picture there to Brenda earlier uh, one of the marquees and it's basically it's like being indoors outdoors but you're actually outdoors but you wouldn't realise you're actually outdoors but you're in a marquee yeah Okay, fair yeah, enough. But it, it, it's not such a general marquee. There's a cover over it. The sides can come up. You know, the sides can come down at, at various heights. It's just... Now, I, I know I understand a lot of businesses have spent money, but there's been money spent here. Okay. There's been nothing short. The inside has been done as well to make people safe and thing. It's just... It's a fabulous setup. Really, you should get them on here and give them some bit of praise and give them a chance to... I'm probably not highlighting it enough for you, Mick. Oh, you, I think you're doing pretty well there. there. You're doing pretty you, well. You, you, you should get them on here and let them do it for themselves because, honestly, what they've done is absolutely fantastic. The first words I said to the owner this morning, seeing this morning, was, whoa. Yeah. And you know it's what's de- developing up the road? Fitzpatrick's in Glanton. It's only half done, but you want to see the half they've done. Uh, yeah, as a kind of a so deli and fresh pastries and stuff. And the council have done the road and the drive down to it. There's benches gone in. There's a cycle lane gone a cycle in. Cycle lane. And I saw a lot of new housing there near near the uh, the railway station as well. So that's a big developing area there. Yeah, and and it's been developed in a be- It's been developed optically as a beautiful area as well. Both by the council. There's a lot of work going into the area, and a lot of people need an awful lot of kudos for it because it's about time a city the size of Cork started to invest in areas like that and put money in. If you invest in the area and put things in, people will respect it. It's when you don't invest in it and you don't put stuff in there, people don't respect it. Okay, well, look, you, you've nothing to do business-wise or, or association with the elm tree, but you've seen what's happened there nothing. and is happening. Nothing. And nothing. I, I would like, it'd be sorry, I'd say something if I was getting a kickback off or nothing. Nothing at all. This is just out of sheer blown away by it. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you, people, we were on all last weekend about people not respecting the city and, you know, bins and what have you, the streets being used as bins and what have you. But if the bins were put in in the first place, people would use them. But yes, on Patrick Street, we have bins, but if you fear off Patrick Street too much, there's no bins around. Mm-hmm. Patrick Street has been every 20 metres. The South Mall doesn't. 
Yeah, they're, they're asking us to live outside, but they've taken a um, very scant account of bins and toilets. But I think that's slowly but surely being corrected now. And we're happy but to like highlight one, that. One public toilet in the whole of the city centre, as, as far as I can see, is on the Grand Parade, and that to be locked. Yeah. Uh, should the one on uh, Merchant's Key is gone, as we said. Pat, thanks. No matter. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. That's the great thing about this programme. We can go off on a tangent and uh, you're at 12 o'clock before you know it. This was meant to be a small little thing, but uh, we can't stop when we've got someone like Liam who's going to tell us uh, not just did he meet any famous people, shake their hand, get an autograph of that. This guy lived for three weeks with Michael Jackson. Good morning, Liam. Good morning, Mick. How are you? It's Liam Sheehan, the magician. Were you entertaining him? Uh, I was actually, Mick, yeah, I was. I spent a bit of time and doing a bit of magic and trying to fool him a bit, which I suppose I did. So it was a good time for me. This is when he was staying in the castle, is it? Yeah, he he came here, Mick, uh, I think it was 2006 or something, and he um, heard Blackwater Castle in Castleton Roach. And he actually uh, stayed there for that period of time. And uh, well, he moved on to Balnacora House in Kinsale after that. But he, um, yeah, he spent he spent his, a good bit of time there, which he thoroughly enjoyed. And that's where I spent my time with him. And we were kind of living ma- ma- magician or something. Yeah, um, I was actually. Um, how this happened is that Michael came here kind of quick, I think, out of Paris, and he hired a castle. And I happened to be in that castle maybe a week or two previous to that. Um, and Michael saw my card on the end of, at the end of the stairs on the table and just made inquiries, and I got a call to say, like, that I want to come down and entertain somebody. I didn't know it was Michael Jackson at the time. So when I arrived at the castle, of course, it was him, and you can imagine how I felt, you know, being a fan of Michael Jackson and that, uh, how am I going to entertain this guy? But he was into magic. He loved magic, and he liked mm. magicians, and that, that was his thing, you know, so it all worked out well. Okay, so you, you can't escape this interview, Liam, without having to be asked. How, how did you find Michael Jackson? Um, <clears throat> as I said, um, Mick, many times before, um, Michael Jackson, in my opinion, was for a gentleman. He was a very soft, kind, um, quiet man, really. I found him, you know, really nice, you know, really nice guy. I uh, was very afraid of the outside world, which I, which I would have discovered and was very protective of his kids and that. But by and large, a grand guy, probably weird in his own way, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, but, but, but generally a nice guy and, and obviously multi-talented. And he really loved this, this country, you know what I mean? He was, he was so happy here and he escaped from everything. And, you know, he was enjoying himself immensely and the kids were as well because they did things that they normally wouldn't even do, you know what I mean? How old were the kids then, uh, Paris and Prince? And I think Paris was about, um, I'd say Paris was about probably 10, and Prince was about 7 maybe. Mm-hmm. And Blanket was quite, quite young, and the three kids were with him. And here he had very few people with him at the time. You know, and did he actually there. ask you to stay in the, in, uh, from my stay here for three weeks or so, I want you to live in here and keep my kids entertained, or what? How did that happen? Well, just kind of hang around, you know what I mean? Like, first of all, I was told that, you know, I was you know, going down to entertain somebody for an hour or so. But, you know, during kind of when I was doing some magic stuff for them, magic tricks for them, uh, he was just quite impressed, you know, and he just came back down into the room after after a bit and asked me that I went to hang around and I basically just hung around the place for a while, you know. Okay, I hate to ask now, what, what was, was there an hourly rate or what? No. <laughs> just a kind of a gift well, at the end, was it, or something? Yeah, do you know what? Like, it was just a, an honour and a privilege at the time to be asked by, you know, it would be grand if I went away and I looked for the gig, but actually to be asked by himself to 
come and entertain him and the kids. You know what I mean? It was just was just phenomenal for me. Yeah. So I, I was asked to take Rod Stewart out on the boat for the day, which I did, and that's the, the courtesy of. Uh, of Tom McCarthy and Neil Prendeville, actually, but uh, went out and did it for a half day anyway and uh, had yeah. a great old time. But you weren't looked for payment, I bet. No, no, no there was no payment in it. No, no, <laughs> no, cost, no it's not. costs were covered. We had to charter a boat and that was covered. Yeah, no, look, I did get paid. But of course, look, at the end of the day, I got paid since Michael died. I, this was all private, actually. I never told anybody when Michael was alive. So when, when Mike died, it became kind of public that I was with him. But I've got great benefit from this over the years, you know what I mean? And people often say, like, who have you worked for as a magician? I say, well, you know, I might work for Michael Jackson. If I'm good enough for him, I, I can't be too bad, you know what I mean? Wow, that's, that's a great calling card. Uh, and I think, you know the way that Brendan Grace got that call from Oliver Barry to come and entertain yeah. Frank Sinatra and uh, Sammy, Sammy Davis Jr., wasn't it? At the uh, Horsia House in, uh, in Ballsbridge. Uh, and, right. and that opened up the American side of things uh, for him because uh, Frank's agency represented him there. Uh, That's right, yeah, and it does. It does. I mean, I, I've, you know, following that and following my death that I went to America, I went for some people there in America also, you know, some families that um, would be, what could I say, they'd be very well-respected families in, in America in that, you know. And you're, you're, keeping, you know, uh, you're keeping your confidence there, are you? Well, I'm not, no, I'm not really, but they're kind of... Um, you know, they would have come out of Sicily at one stage. Okay. You know what I mean? And they would be very well connected in America. And, you know, I've done a few gigs there and, and stuff like that. So, and that was all because of Michael Jackson. And that, you know, and I get a, a lot of work because of that. I, I can't say I don't, you know. Do you have so a personal memento, Liam? Do you have an autograph or do you have a picture with Michael Jackson? No, I, you know what? I, I have nothing uh, because, I did, well, I have stuff that I got from Michael Jackson. I have, you know, the kids all sign cards to me and I have his name on something and, I think I've got a ring or something that I did a trick with. But at the time, Mick, uh, this was completely, you know, you signed a confidentiality clause. You didn't look for photographs. You didn't look for, you know, you didn't do anything really. Do you know what I mean? You respected the privacy. Yeah. And Blackwater Castle were, were really adamant that his privacy was respected. So If I had a euro, Liam, for everyone who asked me to, could you get me a backstage pass for a gig? As if these things exist anymore. It's not, it's not the way things happen. Uh, this is no, work it, for the artists. They, they don't have a party after every... Uh, after every gig, just because they're, you know, just because they arrive in Cork on a world tour, <laughs> there's no wild party afterwards. They probably have a cup of tea and go to bed. That's right. Yeah, I mean, like, like even with with Michael Jackson in the castle, he just enjoyed the, the whole relaxation side of being in the castle. He liked eating apple apple tart at night, and you know, you know, just the very simple things. You know what I mean? It's it just when I look back at it now, Mick, it just seems to be unreal, really. How how natural, how normal it was. And was this around the time, time of his two gigs in Parky Kiev? Oh, no, that was well after. The, was it? Okay. Two gigs in Parky Kiev were 1986. This was 2008. Okay. He was he was here. He was actually looking to buy property in Ireland at that time, you know. And sure, of course. He, um, Parky Kiev was well before he had kids, wasn't it? Cause, yeah, it was well before that. So I was at one of those gigs. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. It was amazing. But he just, you know, he liked it here. He he loved the people here. There was a guy, another guy with me at the time, um, uh, Mr. O'Leary, who was driving Michael around now, since he's deceased now, since the man. But he and Michael got on like a house and fire. Dennis O'Leary, he was O'Leary Hollage. But he and Michael got on like a house and fire. And there's some there's some great stories, you know. Wow. And then great bits and pieces that we have uh, from those days. Okay, Liam, thanks a million. Great, great memories. Thanks for bringing it to us because it's, I don't think anyone's going to tr- trump that one. I don't think anyone can top that, leaving for three yeah. weeks with Michael Jackson. Yeah. <laughs>
Thanks a million, Liam. You're welcome, mate. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, Evelyn, are you going to top that, are you? Evelyn? Hello, do we have Evelyn? No, it doesn't look like we do. Anyway, when Evelyn was 18, it seems... Hello, Evelyn? Nope, not there. Uh, she she drove up to Ronan Keating's house to get his autograph, but he wasn't there. His dad invited uh, them in for tea. Uh, they did meet him when he got home, though. Uh, Billy Power met JFK, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, in Clifton in Galway and shook his hand. He didn't appreciate the significance of the meeting, but he does now. A few weeks later, JFK was assassinated. Paudie Deneen met Maureen O'Hara and uh, had a quick drink and a chat. Let's go to uh, our... Irish hospitality a competition with Musgrave Marketplace. It's an Irish family business passionate about supporting jobs in the local community. And we're going to surprise you a little bit today because we're going to open the lines early. And we're going to do that for a reason. It's because we have the Brehan Hotel 500 euro voucher to give away towards the end of the programme. So have a listen to this. And give us a call on one eight five zero. 104106, if you can identify those three. Naturally fresh and healthy, it's a Raman 150 euro voucher today. And uh, we're going to take callers right now if you can identify these three sig tunes. Then that Raman voucher will be yours and we'll do our draw towards the end of the programme. Sorry, I was reading out your text, Billy. Good morning to you. Good morning, Mick. Sorry, I thought it was a text, not a call. My apologies to the crew. You're all right. Uh, you met JFK in Clifton and Galway. That is synonymous. Tell us all about that. I did. I did. I won a scholarship to uh, the Gwail in 1963. And I was up in Spiddle in a place called Littermore. And the Kigara came around and asked me, did I want to go for a spin? The Kigara, the inspector, is it? Correct. And I said, of course I do. Wanted to get away from the Irish for a while, you know. Okay. Sure. I mean, I went into Galway and we lined up, and I said, "What's going on?" He said, "President Kennedy is coming down the road," and down the road he came, and he went along the line and shook all the hands. Now, unfortunately, I didn't speak with him, and I didn't realise the significance of it until years, until I suppose three or four months later when the poor man was dead. Yeah, he was the was kind lovely. of iconic Irish Catholic American president and uh, the homecoming was something else. The steps of City well, Hall. He, he, did, he did say himself, Miguel, it was the best four days of his life. Wow. Yeah, that's, how he, that's how he remembered his trip to Ireland, the best four days of his life. Yeah, the, open, I mean, the came, open top car down, coming down you know, Patrick Street and that kind of thing. Well, no, I, I wasn't lucky enough to be in Patrick Street, unfortunately. I'm from Kilkenny, unfortunately, too, you know. Well, you have to come from so, somewhere, I suppose. Which I suppose we do, and we're proud of it. <laughs> of course. But, I mean, he, he came down the street that day, Mick. I mean, we were all pale. We were all milk white. And this gorgeous, tanned, healthy-looking man came down the street, and we were all in awe. Of course, because he was an avid sailor as well, sailing out of the family compound in Hyannisport. That's right, that's right, that's right. And, and he's, he's obviously going to be tanned, and he was always athletic. Uh, yeah, so we, that was... We, uh, were supposed, we were supposed to go over there last year. We had a, a trip booked. There was a few of us there, had a few big old birthdays, six of us, and we were supposed to go over and the whole blooming thing was stopped. Uh, it'll, it'll happen again. It'll happen again. Please. Anyway, politically, I think you top it. And in, in the music sector, I don't think we'll beat uh, Liam and the Michael Jackson story, but JFK, that's a big one. Well done. Well, now, a really proud day for me that was. Well done, Even Billy. though, as I said, I didn't realise it on the day. But you do now. I do now. You can always say you shook his hand. I can indeed. Okay. And I'm proud to say it. Thanks, Billy. Laura, good morning to you. 
Hello, Laura. Yeah. Hi, who did you meet? Um, I met, I've met a few people. I've met, uh, I used to work in a well-known hotel in the city centre, so I've met the Coronas, um, I met the Script, uh, I met Mary Black in the queue for the toilets in the marquee. She's probably at the Coronas, um, her son is the lead singer. Yeah, he is, yeah, yeah. So I met him a good few times. Um, and I also met Johnny Logan um, at the Lyric Board. I, I worked we with Johnny Logan the night after he won the Eurovision. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> that was absolutely manic, down in Bandon. Imagine oh, a guy wow, winning yeah. the Eurovision in the days when the Eurovision meant something huge here yeah. in Ireland. I know I'd probably be castigated for that now. It's still probably huge to some people. <laughs> but when it was absolute Eurovision mania here, uh, the owners of the particular hotel had the uh, the foresight to book him before he won the National Song Contest. And he had a, they, they had a contract. And oh, John, wow. Johnny won the Eurovision and Dan came to Bandon the following night to Monster Arms oh, Hotel. <laughs> yeah, I met him and I met Linda Martin. Uh, we were on the lyrics board, went up to RT as part of our school trip. And I'd be, I'm six foot tall. And he was like, oh, you'd be great now for my son. He's tall as well. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no idea who his son was or how old he was or anything like that. Brilliant. Well done. <laughs> you, you, met a, you met a nice few, so through your, through your working in the yeah. hotel. Yeah, All right, I met Laura. President E. Higgins as well. And oh, very good. I, yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, thanks a million. Listen, our phone lines are all... Thanks, Laura. Our phone lines are all jammed up. Please stop uh, calling for the competition uh, because we have uh, our person to play the competition. So please stop calling for the competition. We'll do a draw towards the end of the programme. Uh, it's a rare time I get on this programme and avoid Liam Bonner and he's back again. Hi, Liam. You're more than welcome. Hi, Mick. How are you doing? Very good. Now, they call you Fotsy, which is friend of the stars. So I can imagine, I, I, I can imagine now that we're going to get some some regaling here of people that you've met. I do know, and I've heard a story that you were playing golf as a foursome, and you let a three ball play through. Can you tell me about that story? Well, yeah, there was a, the, the three ball we left through, and uh, it was known hardly it took us off. So you could manage the old head at the time, and then um, it turns out it was Garth Brooks. Wow. And then we went over, and I was funny, I met him when I introduced him, but I, I thought it was a bit of a test take, and I, I got a laugh, and I said, God, he's looking very rough without the makeup on. <laughs> and he, uh, he didn't take too well to me, to say the least, you know? All right, okay. And the, um, there was there was that, there was, um, what do you call it, I met Jackson Brown, and come into the college loft next door, can say, very nice match, had it with him. There was... Um, You'd have a lot of people, but you know what? The best ones I had was with, my, my, with Mark Rand on the movie, Their Strength and I, a few years back. And we had Vinnie Jones and Michael Manson and that, you know? Yeah. And we all went to the um, the afters of a party, and Vinnie Jones said, This is over at 3 o'clock in the morning that the employee would tell upstairs. We were all in good spirits. Price Hart was uh, Michael Manson, Vinnie Jones, and um, Tim Fury was very funny. Vinnie Jones leaned forward. Asked what you call it, Fimbar Fury to do a song, and he got up the banjo. I went to saw sitting in the group, and he was sitting on his face, and he started singing, doing, and he done Sweet 16 and stuff. And that was one of the best. That was a brilliant moment, you know? That's a great memory. We were, uh, I remember Paddy Riley walked into a bar. We were doing a charity gig at once, and at half one in the morning in a hotel, and did the fields of Athen Rye. That was a, kind of a special moment as well. But you've met them all. Jackson, I actually missed Jackson Brown one day. Uh, I was meant to give, him an, uh, give an award to Christy Moore in, uh, in Mill Street. And Martin Mullen did it for me, and there he is yes, with Jackson sir. Brown on the other side. Uh, I've never, uh, I've never forgot that. I've been there because uh, Jackson Brown's one of my big guys. He's, I think, he's absolutely brilliant. Uh, he was, he was, he was, he was very. I bet, I bet another funny one with, with the God rest Dominic O'Keefe all the years ago. And we walked into Ridge. I go back about thirty years ago, and I walked into Ridge, and Van Morrison was sitting there. And I, and I walked up to, I was sitting to Dominic, and I didn't recognise Van Morrison. 
And I walked up and I saw him and I said, oh, Jesus, man. How are you? I said, go on, go on away now, young pup. <laughs> yeah, I, I met Van the Man, gave him an award in Mill, Mill Street as well. You know, uh, what can you say? You're, you're in the presence of a legend, but you don't feel warmly welcome. Can I put it that way? No, not at all. Cranky, cranky, cranky old he was, you know. Well, well, well French, you know. But, but it was great. I mean, I remember another night down at Sale. You get so many when they do Iron Kinsale, but except for Mike Nolan were there and Dennis Waterman came in. Do you remember mine there? So you've met them all, Liam. Well done. And uh, I suppose loads, yes. your 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 time isn't over either. You're going back into the bar scene? No, God, no. Thank God. I'm long, long out of the bar scene. No, I, I, I run the company to do all PP, you know, and clothing and workwear, all that sort of stuff. And a good time to be in the right business. Oh, know? yeah. Fair play. Okay. It's a tough, tough time in the pubs. You know, we saw well opening up. I hope it goes great for them all. Yeah, okay. Well, you're nothing if not versatile. Well done, Liam Bonner. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks, all the best. Bye. Bye-bye. Now, there's uh, been an accident on the Dunkettle roundabout between a car and a lorry, so be careful on that. An accident on the Dunkettle roundabout between a car and a lorry. We're back in a moment. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Let's get into another batch of Free Food Friday mentions. Of course, the... Uh, Oak Fire Pizza will be heading three different directions to three winners, each getting uh, four pizzas and two sides. Oak Fire Pizza is real. Wood Fire Pizza in Clannacilty, Bandon, Princess Street and Galabi Street. And a new location coming soon to the East Village in Douglas. Mick, I'm working from home. I was so down on the dumps the last few weeks and as soon as I heard you on air Monday, you've no idea how you picked me up. I would love pizza for myself as a treat. Keep up the good work, says Patricia in Drumahan. Lunch, please, for the staff up in Hickey's. Pharmacy on Baker's Road, Maura, Arabella and Neve. Arabella has us listening to the show every week in the hopes we'll win. Hi Mick, can I nominate the staff at Elmwood Medical Centre who are always going above and beyond to help their patients. From one of their very grateful patients, Kira. Free Food Friday please for the finance team at Hobart AV Pound in Gould, Goulds Hill in Mallow. Can you say a big hello to the crew of Alter Domus in the airport business park? We'd love the pizza for lunch. We all forgot our lunch and we're starving. A likely tale. Free food Friday for Tommy, who's flat out building a patio in Monkstown. He's in need of some pizza. Lunch, please, for your loyal listeners in Joe's Edge, Hair Salon and Blarney. And I'm working from home. I'm a full-time carer and my husband is out farming, says Susan. We've got a few more and I'll get to them before the end of the program. But I want to get to Joanna Murphy on a new initiative, which is going to be called Keys to the Future. Good morning, Joanna. Morning, Mick. How are you? I'm good. Now, you're, uh, of course, representing the Cove and Harbour Chamber. You're going to be running a new event called Keys to the Future, which is a free online uh, event on the 10th of June at 7 o'clock. So it's virtual, it's uh, socially distant, and it's available to people. Tell us all about it. Okay, so um, I suppose I came up with the idea because I am an auctioneer here in Cove, and I found that, you know, a lot of people who are buying houses really don't know the process of how to buy a house how to sell a house, what's involved, and there's an awful lot involved. So what I thought would be the best thing to do is to run um, a Zoom webinar where we'd have a panel discussion. So we'll have myself as Capacity's auctioneer, we'll have um, Derry Alice, who's an engineer here in Cove, Charles Day, solicitors, and we'll also have Colin Moorhead, who's AIB bank manager here in Cove as well. So we're going to do a presentation, each of us, on kind of what we do and the process of buying and selling a house, including buying sites, which is quite popular at the moment. Also, the help to buy scheme is very popular with buying your first home. So, and then we're going to we're going to open the discussion to the floor, and people will have the opportunity to ask questions. So, there's four different disciplines, and I suppose when you think of it, there's a lot involved in either buying or selling a house. If you're buying, of course, first of all, you've got to have uh, the financial wherewithal to know how high you can bid. You'll also need legal representation on on the, on the subject of conveyancing and transferring the legal title into your name. 
yeah. and uh, of course, uh, the entire purchase could predicate on uh, a bad or a good engineer's report. So uh, there's a yeah. lot in it before it gets over the line, really. It does, and I suppose each and every one of us work in tandem with each other. So, and I, you know, like I would meet, obviously, of course, you have the first-time buyer, but you also have the person who hasn't sold a house for 20 years, 30 years, and they're coming back into the market. And everything is changing. It's always, um, I suppose, going forward, think, you know, um, the conveyancing is changing. The bidding process is extreme, extremely daunting for people. And people say, oh, I don't want to get involved in the bidding process. I say to people, you have no choice, but just have your ceiling know exactly how much you're going to spend because I always say a mortgage is more or less for life mm-hmm. and you really need to make sure that what you're spending on a house is what you can comfortably afford and pay back. And then obviously, you know, titles, there can be problems with titles of, of properties. That's why it's really, really important to engage a good solicitor, one of whom you get on with. Um, obviously, before you even look at a house, you must have your finance organised. You must have your proof of funding um, sorted. So if you, go, if you go to see a property and you like that property, you want to put an offer on that property, you must have your proof of funding when you put an offer on. And then you have obviously the engineer is crucial um, because obviously if you have, um, if your offer is accepted, you then have a week to get your survey done on the house. The server, the surveyor will go in and it's a really good idea to be with your surveyor when they're surveying the house. I didn't know you could do so, that. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I know that a lot of, a lot of um, engineers do that and some don't. I personally, if I was buying a house, would want to walk around with the engineer. Because what, you know, there's, there's always going to be problems with the house, but some of them don't necessarily, they're not as bad as what they look. And especially with an old house. And I think that if someone can say, well, look, if you replace the windows here, or you, you know, it's going to cost you so much if you have to do the roof. The roof doesn't need to be completely re um, roofed, but you just have to repair it, things like that. So I think okay. that's important. Um, you also have, um, who else did I mention there now? The, I suppose the solicitor, there's so much going on with the solicitor because you now have the help to buy scheme. You also have the conveyancing of, as you know, in Cove, there's a lot of old titles here, which there's always problems with, with titles which need to be sorted out. And then you have, I find there's a lot of people buying sites now. So let's say if they go and buy a greenfield site that has no, it's zoned, but it's got no planning. They can buy the site subject to planning. But then there's a lot involved because then you must go and meet the pre-planner. You must then get engage um, an engineer to get drawings, um, preliminary drawings uh, done for the pre-planner to see. And then you have to submit your planning. And that whole process can take six to seven months. Wow, it's, it's so a very a slow, that was my next question. It's a very, very slow process. Has anything been done in the last 20 years? to speed up the process or is, is this cooperation um, yeah, between I, you, your no, four I disciplines think, able to speed it up? Yeah, I think that if you have a really good um, network around you, i.e. if the auctioneer, I mean the auctioneer's job does, will only finish when that sale closes. It's really important that the auctioneer engages the whole way through um, with the bank, with the solicitor and with the engineer because we all have to work together. We all have to make sure that that sale gets over the line. Generally, a sale can take 8 to 12 weeks, but sometimes it can take 6 months. But that can be due to probate. It can be due to type issues. It can be due to banks. I mean, obviously, you have a lot of properties, unfortunately, that have been repossessed, and they might be in with... Um, you know, a vulture fund or... So there's, there's a lot going on. So it's not very straightforward. So how can people access? Is it open to the public? How can people access this Absolutely. online meeting? So the, um, the event is on through uh, the Coven Harbour Chamber website through the event section. So they have to go into the Coven Harbour Chamber website. They can book. It's at 7 o'clock on Thursday of next week. It's a free event and it runs for an hour. 
And it's, it's going to consist of yourself as auctioneer, uh, Charles yeah. Daly as solicitor, Derry Allister who's a local engineer, and uh, Colin Moorhead, Colin of uh, RCYC fame, I think. Uh, yes, he's in, an admiral in the Royal Court, yeah. Yeah, in the, in the uh, AIB. You've got a second workshop going. C- can you give it a... I, I've got to be very quick I, here, I know, Joanne. I, I know you're very stuck for time. So our second workshop is, is called From Cruise to Cork Harbour, Disembark and Rediscover Cork. Basically, we're looking at the excursions market and we have, again, a panel of speakers of which you'd know, whom you'd know very well now would be Captain Michael McCarthy, Chairperson of Cruise Europe. Sure. We'd have um, uh, Conor Mullis from Port Cork and we have Seamus Heaney. You, you probably know Seamus Heaney as well from Visit Cork and we have Cove Tourism and we have Excursion Islands. Basically, we're taking an in-depth look at how we can all support Cove by helping the cruise industry promote the town before and during their stay. Okay, and it's it's timely because there's no cruise ships at the moment, so get ready now for the onslaught as they come back. and they will be back next year. And you know how vital they are to the economy, not just in Cove, but to the whole region. Yeah, and listen, the very best of luck to everyone opening for business on, on, on Monday as well. Absolutely. Uh, so looking forward to it, Finally getting out for a few jars and having something to eat. <laughs> exactly. Well done, Joanna. Thanks a million, as Thank always. Thank you so much, Mick. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, now we have, despite the dozens, if not hundreds of calls we got on our competition, which is to identify this... You, if you didn't get through, will be delighted to know we had no correct answers. And so we'll open the lines again on one eight five zero one zero four one zero six, And that's for Musgrave Marketplace. And a €150 Euro voucher for ramen, naturally fresh and healthy, could be yours. If you think you can identify them, the lines are open once again. Because we didn't have any correct answers. So please uh, give us a call, one eight five zero one zero four one zero six. We'll be back in a moment with more calls. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. It's 11 minutes to 12 midday. What a crazy busy show we have here today. Fred Morris, good morning to you. You're in Ballyvalan. Hi, Mick. How are you? I'm very good. Have a listen to these again and uh, let's see if you get them correct. Okay, what do you think? Uh, who wants to be a millionaire? Uh, Blind Date and The X Factor. Okay, let's see if we can uh, play them in a little more extended fashion. Who wants to be a millionaire? Blind Date. And the X Factor. Well done. You are going to be in receipt of a uh, €150 Euro voucher for ramen. Naturally fresh and healthy. And that will uh, last you for a number of visits, I would imagine. So well yeah, done. Yeah, I think so. Okay. And you're in I the draw as well, too. by the way, at the end of the programme uh, with the other four winners, uh, other four uh, daily winners for the Breton Hotel in Killarney. So well done, Fred Morris in Ballyvalan. Stay listening to the end of the show. You never know. You might win that €500 okay. Euro voucher as well. Thanks a billion. All to do with Musgrave Marketplace, an Irish family business passionate about supporting jobs in our local economy and instrumental in underpinning the kickstart uh, with their 680 Irish suppliers of the uh, hospitality industry, uh, hotels already and uh, restaurants, outside service in pubs and restaurants as well from next Monday. Our uh, Monday winner was Cathy Roach, our Tuesday was uh, Patricia Caples, our Wednesday was Jarrah Sullivan, our Thursday was Finbar Sullivan, and uh, today Fred Morris. So we'll have them in a draw towards the end of the programme. Now, a man who's been waiting for quite a while, and I thank him for it, is Barry Looney. Hi, Barry. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. You met Clint Eastwood. I did, indeed, yeah. Okay. Who we else? Were, uh, 1971, myself and my mate Paul, we were working uh, in the convent, in the non-convent in Copenhagen, stained glass windows. 
And um, <clears throat> this day in the winter, it was very, the weather was very bad, so we decided we'd have a break and we went up to the clock tower. I think it was the clock tower pub was called for a pint. And when we went in, there was no one there. And um, we decided we'd have a game of darts. And we were <clears throat> just playing away. And the door opened and these four guys came in. So my mate said to me, um, geez, he said, look at the geezer with the, um, the cowboy boots. And he said, he looks like Clint Eastwood. So he said nothing and we kept on playing. And then one of the guys with him, he had an iron, he was a small fat guy and he, he had an iron sweater, really scruffy. And he went up to the bar and he said to the lady behind the bar, uh, can I have a drink? And she was getting the drink. So next he obviously was, must have given her a check. So she said, I'm sorry, I can't take the check. So she, he said, why not? I said, well, there's a bank strike here in Ireland. And my mum said, um, I'm not to take any checks. You know, that is only money. <laughs> sorry, we can't. He said, it's, it's, my name's okay. I'm okay. It's grand. It's okay. You know, no. So we're arguing for a while anyway. She said, I got up and I called my mum. So the mother came down. So she said, what's the problem? So he said, well, we bought a dr- I bought a drink, but I want to pay her a check, but your daughter won't take the check. So he said, my name is good. So she looked at it and uh, she said, Marlon Brando. <laughs> I turned out to my way. Jesus, it is him. Actually, it was him. I was. I was trying to recognise who it was, and it was him. So in the meantime, anyway, my my mate Paul Penn Darts and this guy in the boots got up and he said, "Excuse me," he said, "Do you think we can have a go?" So Paul said to him, "You can have you mark the boards." So he said, "We'll tell you to mark the boards." So we were playing anyway, and Paul beat me. So he was playing this guy. So he says to the guy, "Do I know? I ask you a question." So the guy said, "What?" He said, are you Clint Eastwood? He said, I am, yeah. So <laughs> well. they were playing away and we were having a, a crack and uh, the other two sat down and Brando eventually came down with the drinks and he sat down and he was sitting around and so he finished the darts and we sat down with him for a while. So we were chatting and he went, oh, by the way, this is uh, my friend here, Leonard Cohen. So oh my God. And they had a chauffeur with them. They had a silver cloud car outside the pub and they had a chauffeur with them. So we I just can't with, imagine the three of them being together in, in any... I, I know... I, I, said, well, uh, I'm trying to get the Irish accent. He said uh, they're going to make a movie called The Night Comers, I think it was called. Yeah, I'm just trying, said, trying to imagine the three of them being together. I know Marlon Brando filmed in, in, uh, in East Cork, uh, all right? We were chatting with we got to see that. So we were... And we had a great crack with him. And uh, then someone, I don't know, must have been the daughter went out. She must have told someone outside... That, that you know you'll never guess who's inside in the pub. So the crowd started coming in, and we had been with them now for about a half an hour. A great laugh and chat, chat with them. And then uh, one of them said, "Listen, lads, we better leave here. Like it's starting to get crowded." So with that, they left. And that was it. <laughs> we were we sitting pub, we just looking at each other, and some of the lads were saying to us, "Did you ever get an autograph?" We said, "We didn't bother our backside." I often wonder whether they still got the check in the clock tower pub. Oh, uh, they probably do. Pardon? They probably do. Marlon Brando met, met a buddy of mine. My buddy had a lend of a goat to get grass down, uh, you know, grass in his back garden. He said he'd take the goat for a walk, right? And he's walking down towards East Ferry House uh, uh, at the eastern side of Cove. And uh, this limousine yeah. pulls up and, and Guy puts his head out. He said, are you walking a goat? And he said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, my name is Dave. And the guy put his hand out the window, Marlon Brando. And it was him. And there you are meeting Don Vito Corleone. It's great. Yeah, and the thing was, we said we actually said we went to uh, the film that was called The Nightcomers, and uh, we said well, we going to see that eventually when he came out. I can't remember what we went to say. My friend old Paul, he's an American, and I met him not so long ago. He came over to see me, and we were chatting about that. And we said, <laughs> the former 
eventually, like I said, they had to go. Leonard Cohen was very nice as well. Oh, you just got to drop the names, don't you? Barry, you got to leave it there. Thanks a million. Uh, John gave us a call. He met Cliff Richard. He played cards with Roger Moore and he drove David Attenborough. And that kind of wraps up our lighthearted Friday with the exception of our giveaways. And uh, the uh, winning text of these. Uh, Hi, Mick. I love the show. Can I please nominate myself and my work colleagues at My Cork GP? Uh, that's one for Free Food Friday. Deirdre, well done to you and your gang. Some pizzas coming uh, your way from Oak Fire Pizza. And, of course, they are now in uh, Clonakilty Band in Princess Street and Galabi Street and coming soon to East Village in Douglas. Four pizzas and two sides going to My Cork GP. Uh, and to the vaccination team at the Cope Foundation. Everyone's claiming to be working hard, but let's give credit where credit is due. I'm glad they were pulled out of the hat. The vaccination team in the Cope Foundation, they've been vaccinating all service users and disability services in Cork City and County since March. Four pieces and some sides going your way, guys, to Avril Keating. Well done for uh, for calling in. And we'd love some free food here at Island Auto Solutions in Little Island. So there's four going your way, and there's four of you as well, so have a full one each. Tom, Dan, Michael, and Laura. Our thanks to uh, Oak Fire Pizza, Real Wood Fire Pizza, Clonic Hilty Band in Princess Street, Galabi Street, and coming to the East Village. Uh, our thanks to Musgrave Marketplace as well for a tremendous competition during the week, kickstarting the uh, Irish hospitality sector. And uh, let me just pick one from the thing behind the chair and see who the overall winner is for the Brehan Hotel, a 500 euro voucher for Killarney's Brehan Hotel, situated in the spectacular surroundings of Killarney. You can enjoy a weekend away, getaway, or treat yourself in their luxurious Angsana Spa. And it's going to Wednesday's winner, Ger O'Sullivan and Rath Cormac. And uh, well done to all concerned. My thanks for the week to the production team, uh, to Brenda Dennehy, to Seamus Wheelahan, and to Mark Willington. And that's it. Have a great long weekend. I'll talk to you Tuesday morning after news at nine. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.